Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to face facts. Hell just isn't delivering in terms of suffering and torment lately. Any suggestions on how to fix it? Sir, I think our torture implements aren't working very well on the jaded modern audience. Extreme heat and cold, being impaled, chased by bees forever, whipping, weighing people down, and the rest. It just doesn't get the job done anymore. Got some new torture programs in the testing phase, but I don't know if covering people in paper cuts and lemon juice will be enough. Even the perpetually parked airplane may not might not suffice. What can we do? Here had a plan that was shelved because of a power glitch. It may be time to introduce the Kamikaze Penguins, though. This combination of cuteness and death should break the wheels of everyone who resists our old-fashioned methods. Let it be so. Hey, Paisanos, it's the Backtrack Brothers Super Show! We're the Backtrack Brothers, and old school are games. We're not like the others. You get all the fame. If your back love's in trouble, you can call us in the double. We're more retro than the others. You'll be hooked on the brothers. You're hooked on the brothers. Treats that hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure from our peaches of sweet cup. Consoles, computers, handhelds, and the others. Listen to our show, you'll be hooked on the brothers. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the RPG Backtrack, where we talk about computer and console role-playing games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome, this is in fact the RPG Backtrack, episode 188. Uh, what's our title, Mike? D2, The Mighty Printies. Mighty Pretties. Oh, that's funny. That's a good one, Mike. Uh, I am, uh, as the uh, as the guy said uh, when the show started whatever the song and introduction everything else i am phil willis and that beautiful voice is the one and only mr mike Miki. am i supposed to say something else here yeah totally uh, witty totally out of left field people don't see it coming oh dear now i'm on the spot feel uh, the pressure no pressure it's totally not pressure oh, I, I i don't really know what to do here this is very very innovating i have no idea I'm, I'm i'm collapsing into a puddle of muck on the floor and that's making a big mess and you're, you're just making a mess out of me and out of my floor and that's just not nice Could you please stop with it no more messes tonight mm, well we don't want any more messes so we'll also mention that we also have miss relly kyan with us the Emilio Estevez of the D2 Mighty Prennies. That would be me. Oh, and 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 and, and Relly's been working very hard to pull together all the deep plot threads uh, in these Disgaea games so that we could talk about these tonight. So this show is brought to you by her hard work. Yeah, yes, my 30 minutes before the show hard work. Th- 30 minutes trying to hastily type together something on my tablet because that's when my PC decided to update. So, Silly yeah, PC you, you update. Get, that's, 
You get nothing but quality here. Required Windows 10 updates, too. Can't shut them off. They will update. That's what annoyed me about it was that I told my PC to update it at, like, 1 in the morning when I wasn't going to care. And apparently it was like, no, I don't care. I'm going to do this whenever I want. Well, of course. See, your PC downloads the updates at 1 in the morning, but it won't install them until you're there, ready to monitor that wonderful Windows screen. Oh, it's 10% done. It's been 10% done for 15 minutes. That's very nice of you, Windows. Thanks so much. I'm just glad that it didn't decide to do it in the middle of, like, I don't know, a huge drawing that I had been working on for 18 hours and not saved. I've had that happen before. Well, yeah. actually, no. I've had that happen to friends. I'm a compulsive saver. I keep my hands hovered over the control S so that that doesn't happen to me. But I've had it happen to other people more professional than me that lost quite a chunk of work. Hmm. And that explains why Windows is the dominant platform for software around the world, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, d- to be fair, I don't care for Macs, so hmm. unfortunately... No, I think it, it's a good thing that Mr. Apps had to walk away from it because he probably would have risen to that. <laughs> and, I'm sorry. And uh, I have no, I haven't used a Mac since the '90s. The the last time I used a Mac was in college when that's what they had for the editing bays at the college TV station. But you could tell that they were way behind budget because they were old iMacs in like 2004. And they had a whopping four gigabytes of space, which anybody that works with video files knows that that just does not cut it as far as space is concerned. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Well, and yes, Mr. Mr. Apps will also be on the show. He is uh, he is kind of in and out as he is tending to a few things, but he'll be uh, jumping on as his time allows. So expect him to come out of nowhere like an RKO from Randy Orton. Hashtag wrestling references for the win. Uh, anywho. And he <laughs> and he will doubtless pop out and say, how could we possibly come up with anything negative to say about the wonderful Apple and Macintosh lineup of products, which have done nothing but be user-friendly and compatible with all possible interfaces. Yeah. Which is why Jeff Goldblum was able to interface with an alien computer using his Mac in Independence Day, right? <laughs> why not? Hmm. Uh, but today, uh, tonight, we are talking about Disgaea D2 and Disgaea 5. Uh, super excited to dive into those. And we have a very lengthy final lap arrange for you tonight because we have so many things to talk about. Oh, and Mr. B- Mr. Apps is here. Hi, Mr. Apps. Hello. You ready to talk about some Disgaea games? I hope so. Or is it Disgaea? <laughs> I always uh, heard it as Disgaea. Dis- Dis- yeah. maybe it's di- maybe it's Disgaea and nobody's ever told us. Or maybe it's Disgaea. I think it depends on if it's one of the games you like or if it's one of the games you dislike. Ooh. Well, we're going to find out which of maybe these two games. About those, uh, maybe we should talk about that printy side-scroller game on the PSP. Yeah, right. Oh, let's, let's please not. Please. Let's, no. Oh, that <laughs> was... Please, no. You mean the one that's the reason for the PSP-shaped imprint in my wall? Yeah, nine hundred nine nine lives, and it is not enough. <laughs> uh, but no, no, we're not here to talk about pretty adventures or whatever the hell it's called. We are here to talk about Disgaea D two and Disgaea five to find out which of these games you two like 
or dislike or whatever. And we're going to do that after this commercial message. This is the main event where we take a game or a series of game, or in this case, two games from a series, and we dive into all the juicy bits that are inside and completely spoil it for your listening pleasure. We're well, gonna... we, we only have two games this time because I seem to recall a prior episode of the Backtrack, which was one of our lengthiest in which we really went to town on the Disgaea series. Mm-hmm. Does this strike any memory chords with you, Phil, or oh. you, Mr. Apps? Oh, yeah. Juicy podcast. I remember I, the one that we failed to record, and we had to do it over again. <laughs> so it was really even longer. <laughs> I don't think I ever got through that one, because that was when I listened to the podcast at work. And even though I appreciated those lengthy episodes, even that one, I just... I couldn't get through. I think I dropped it about to Sky of Four. I seem to remember the final lap involving um, quite a bit of near profanity from me because that was around the time of something from Idea Factory entering my life. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, eh. but, but hey, let's, let's suppress hey. those mem- bad memories and make some new ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's make memories with Disgaea D2. A Brighter Darkness, developed by Nippon Ichi Software, uh, published by NIS America. This was released on the PlayStation 3 in North America on October 8th, 2013. This is a single-player tactical RPG experience. And we usually like to kick these things off by completely spoiling the plot. Uh, who would like to do that today, Miss Ryan? 
Well, well, well. First off, I just well, my, my buzz-worthy title for this game would be D two. You mean DLC two, right? Because mm. I I played this game recently. Burn. <laughs> I played this game uh, oh, like around December of this year just because I knew that we was going to have this backtrack coming up, and I, I never finished. And as I was playing through it, I was like, wow, this really feels like that if DLC would have been a thing in 2003 when the first Disgaea came out, that this would have been like a DLC level pack because the story is just so vapid. Of every, I think and, they would have done a better story if they had done DLC. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, really, because it had to sell. It had to sell discs, and you know, just imagine all of your favorite things about fanfiction.net put in a blender, and that's what the story is. So it takes place a couple of years after Disgaea One, and all of the same characters that you know and love are there. There you have Laharl the overlord and flan who is still the fallen angel and etna is still laharl's vassal and you find out that people are destroying laharl statues around the netherworld this is how the game starts and laharl is pissed about this so he wants to find out who's destroying who or who's desecrating his good name and you meet grosso uh one of those bishop knight monsters who was king and I'm going to butcher names in this. I apologize. King Krichowski's advisor during Krichowski's reign as overlord. And he doesn't think Laharl is fit to rule as an overlord and has a faction of monsters with him out to overthrow Laharl. And the reason why he feels Laharl is unfit to rule is because of their alliance with Celestia that happened at the, at the end of the first game and that Flan is a fallen angel, and he thinks that Flan is. Well, I, I think he thinks that Flan is kind of a spirit agent that's meant to, you know, infiltrate the netherworld and take it over. And his reasoning for this is because of the appearance of UA flowers that are starting to spread all over the netherworld. And UA flowers are celestial flowers that are never explained, they're just there. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like a major plot point, but they never say what they are or why they're bad. MacGuffin. Yes, yes, MacGuffin indeed. And I, I will admit, as bad as the story is, it's no, still no. Has... A MacGuffin gives gives this a disservice because a MacGuffin, you know, why everybody wants generally. These, it doesn't sound like you know why anybody would care. False no, MacGuffin. Now, despite the fact that this story in this game is is pretty bad. It still made me laugh because during this episode, you get some really funny dialogue scenes because there's a Laharl statue that they installed a fountain and and they still have pants on the Laharl. So it looks like he's perpetually peeing his pants and they (laughs) they comment on this. And of course, he's pissed about it. And then during another scene, you see an Etna statue that's much bustier than she actually is. And the dialogue centered around that is pretty hilarious, too. So you, you get some chuckles in this game. It, it kind of breaks up the badness. So that was episode one. And then in episode two, it starts out with Laharl getting a mysterious package. And inside the package, it turns out to be an angel named Sicily, who married, who mailed herself to the netherworld, Garfield sending normal to Abu Dhabi style. There's a dated reference for everybody. 
And she causes trouble because she wants to be the overworld, and you chase her down throughout the entire episode, and the whole time she's taunting Laharl, calling him Big Brother, and surprise, when you beat her as the chapter boss, she reveals that Laharl is her big brother. Gasp. <laughs> and that's and, the, and this affects what exactly? Oh, we'll get we'll get to that. It, it's explained, but poorly, okay. but patience and there's a cat in my way of my notes come on move okay and then episode three starts out where you're being hassled by a woman named barbara the whole episode and at the end you find out that she is part of the group of monsters that's loyal to krachowski and she is trained to take orders to the letter so you get in a fight with her she loses and um, Grosso wants to know why she lost, and she goes, "Well, you didn't say when; you just said fight." So that's her shtick: is that she only t- she takes orders to the letter. Uh, that's the end of that chapter. And then episode four, which I have dubbed the Rule sixty three episode, because this this is the one. Oh, well, okay. Let's let's start from the beginning. Something's amiss at the start of the episode because of the flowers. Flan wakes up late and misses her favorite anime. And then Etna wakes up and she's palette swapped to blue and starts griping that she's basically in player two colors. <laughs> okay, and that then, that is funny. Just for the record, I, I oh, got it, I got that far and I thought that was funny. It, it, was, it was very funny, but not as funny as Laharl waking up and finding out that Laharl is a girl. With a completely different female voice actor, which is hilarious in itself because LaHarl's voice actor actress is female in boy mode, now that I remember. Um, so girl girl LaHarl is angry and wants to know what's going on and you know, lots lots of jokes about boobs and Sue. And they go to they track down an idol singer at a concert for some reason. I don't know why they do this. And you meet up with Lanzarote, who is such an important character that she doesn't even have a unique character sprite. It's just an (laughs) an archer sprite. And then they have a rad concert with Lady LaHarle singing, who is a great singer. And then, unfortunately, the next day, she turns into he again and loses her singing talent. And everybody talked about that rockin' concert that never happened again. And... You know, my my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory is that that episode right there was the only reason why they wanted to make this game was because they wanted to somehow shoe in a female Laharl. I'd believe it. Yeah. And, you know, just, despite the fan fiction-y nature of this episode, it has some pretty laugh-out-loud moments, particularly Laharl um, griping about how her boobs make her off-balance. And, of course, the running joke with the other female characters is that they're flat-chested, so, of course, they're mad at well, girl Laharl for having huge boobs. And after this chapter, you can opt in the Dark Senate to... or the Dark Assembly to have girl horror will be permanent and her in battle comment she makes comments about how she's off balance and she's like oh i jiggled and all that stuff you know it's 13 it's 13 year old boob humor but it still makes me laugh my ass off and especially with a character like laharo which if you remember from the first game is allergic to boobs and also you could totally cut that chapter out of the game and it would make a damn bit of difference to the plot just putting that out there 
So episode five starts, and the demons are getting restless and start attacking angels, and the gang has to stop them, and the angels are also pissed because they're going to the netherworld and not returning, and people are blaming demons for kidnapping them. And that chapter ends with them trying to go to Celestia, but the gates are closed off for whatever reason. That chapter's quick. And if if I get some of these plot points in these chapters wrong, bear in mind that, that I could not find a chapter summary, so I had to piece together stuff from YouTube videos and character descriptions. <clears throat> so then episode six starts, and it starts with Etna getting a letter telling her to go to a place called Aku Evil Land, and you go through those levels and find a man named Xenolith who has pink hair like Etna for some reason. And you find out that he is responsible for the angel kidnappings. And big surprise, he claims to be Etna's big brother. Ooh. Yeah. And then episode seven starts. And you're still trying to figure, you go to Celestia to figure out what's going on with the celestial invasion and why the netherworld is covered in flowers. And you fight through all these battles with angels and stuff, and then you meet with the high seraph from the first game, whose name I forgot to write down, but it is the guy whose eyes are perpetually closed. I couldn't tell you his name for the life of me. And he says that it's not Celestia causing the Yule flowers, it's that the netherworld is being drained of its magic. And... The High Seraph also drops a plot bomb of how Sicily and Laharl are related, and that basically Laharl's mother was pregnant with her when she died, and instead of becoming an angel, Laharl's mother let Sicily become an angel in her place, and that's why Laharl's mother turned into a printy in the first game, which is just a complete retcon of what happened. So you guys are seeing really quickly why I called this the fan fiction scraps. It's worse than fanfic. Yes. <laughs> oh, it, the fanfiction stuff gets much better. And then in episode eight, the Kachalski gang makes magic barriers to stop. Sorry, <clears throat> the Kachalski gang makes makes magic barriers to stop the Yule flowers from spreading, and you have to fight your way through that. And in a hilarious scene, the Kachalski gang decides that a new overlord is just a printy chosen at random. And you fight that printy, and you beat them, and the Kachalski gang goes behind a barrier, and your gang destroys it. And that's when the Kachalski gang finally realizes that Laharl has the strength to be the overlord. So yeah, that plot thread got wrapped up pretty hastily. And then the last episode of the game has to do with Edna's older brother, Xenolith. And he reveals that he has an artifact called the Artifact of Absolute death and that's yeah yeah very original name there and that's the artifact that is draining the netherworld's magic and he merges with it and you have to defeat him and when you defeat him it is revealed that Etna was born with all kinds of magic that she couldn't control and that xenolith had the artifact drain her magic so that she would live and you shatter the artifact and Etna gets bathed in it and nearly dies, and then eventually powers through the pain, and there's a kind of a heartwarming scene where she demands that Xenolith survive, and then Edna falls into deep sleep, and Laharl demands that Xenolith lives, and that's the end of the game. And you watch the credits, and time passes, and then Edna awakens, and she meets with her brother again. And that's how the game ends. Aw, a touching ending with the brother she just met. Yeah. In the last chapter. (laughs) 
Yeah. So, you know, as I was writing this stuff down, I'm like, surely I'm missing stuff. And, I, you know, I probably am missing some new plot nuance. But, like, the plot in this game is all over the place. And it feels like there's no stakes at all. It, it, it truly feels like they had scraps of this stuff left over from the first game. And they felt like they had enough of it to make a second game out of it. But none of it is cohesive nor interesting. Ugh. And it, it's really, this game is really sad and disappointing because I love the story of the first game so much. The biggest thing that really disappointed me is there were so many fun, like, ancillary characters in the first game, like... Uh, Mid-boss. Mid-boss, the uh, space captain, I forget his name. Um, I think Captain Gordon and Friday, and I can't remember the chick's name now. Yeah. And the Prism Rangers. Mm-hmm. And just none of that's here. No, no I mean, the Laharl, the female Laharl episode is really funny, even though it, it is so shoehorned and that you can see the seams where they tried to slap that thing together onto the rest of this jumbled up mess of a plot. And, I mean, the nice, one of the few positives I will say about the story is that it still has all of the humor that you love from all of the other games. But this humor is just kind of duct taped together yeah, like a really bad sitcom and not like an RPG that has humorous stuff thrown in like some of the other games in the series. Yeah, the other games usually have like a good cohesive plot that kind of, I'd say, enhances the humor a lot. And this one, it, it never reaches that level and just, yeah. it, it sucks. Yeah, I totally, uh, I totally agree with that. Like, um, having played, I got up to, I got at least past the, the girl Laharl stage, but, and that had its funny moments. But, but yeah, it was probably the first Disque game I played where kind of like a certain other game I'm going to talk about later on in the final lap. I felt like it just lost my interest because the plot, you just don't care about it. And that's very unusual. Like, I enjoyed the the, the first four Disque games, especially three and four, and mm-hmm. wanted to play each chapter just to see what's going to happen next. I'm not one of those people that feels incredibly drawn by Disgaea's battle systems and this stuff. I think they're fun and there's some cool things that I farted around and enjoyed about them and breaking some of the rules and stuff, but I'm not one of those people who play them to level nine 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 nine. I know, right? Um, or did most of the post-game content or much hell, any of it. But I like the stories, but not in this one. I, I got bored of it. Uh, I, I pushed through to, to the end and I think the... Uh battle system kind of kept me going more than the story itself because yeah. um you know this is my first time talking about disgaea games on backtrack and disgaea kind of awakens madness in me where i get really <laughs> yeah where i get really sucked into making like super characters and trying to level them up and trying to level up all their skills and stuff like so, that so, so did you try to get anyone to level 9999 no, I think I got Laharl to about 600, and that was that. And I mostly did that just to kind of blow through the story without much yeah. consequence. So, and, so we might be getting ahead of ourselves. What? What? Uh, let's let's talk about the bat for the three people in the world who haven't played any Disgaea game before. Let's talk about the battle system first, and then we talk about the crazy layers that go on top of it. 
So, I mean, this battle system, or this game's battle system is the same disguise that you know and love from all the other games. But what if they've never played one? What if they've never played one? Okay. It is a turn-based strategy battle sim where you control all of your characters in one turn and have them do actions and then execute their actions and then end the turn and then the enemies get to do the same thing and so on and so forth. Is that an apt way to describe it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it isn't like Final Fantasy Tactics where it's on an ATB. It's basically your turn, enemy's turn, keep going, edit all. Yeah. And um, a lot of the maps are kind of puzzles onto themselves because you have things called geo panels. And sometimes geo panels give you buffs like EXP and extra attack. And other geo panels give you debuffs like um, damage over time or. Um, decreasing your defense or attack and there's also um spatial based geo panels where like some of them you can't enter until you destroy what's uh making that debuff um some of them silence you some of them can kill you instantly some of them can clone you or make an exact ai clone that has your stats so if you have if you throw a level 99 character on there that's like super strong then you're gonna make a level 99 character that's gonna give you a rough time and a lot of the story maps themselves are kind of puzzles to kind of help compensate for the over leveling so just because you can go through and curb stop the entire party or the entire enemy party you still got to figure out how to get to them how not to die on some of those insta death panels that sort of thing so you really i mean it truly is a strategy game but wait there's more and you also have the item world which is randomly generated dungeons that you can go through to level up your items you can collect Item generals from these items to help further buff your stats. You have the dark assembly, which lets you. Um, I don't. I don't know how to describe the dark assembly. It lets you. Let you. It lets you basically change the rules of the game, but you have to get bit. it. You got to get it passed through the Senate. Yeah. And for the that you know the, the they're very finicky. So if you want to change the level of the gift shop where you buy your weapons and armor. Uh, you, ha- you have to submit a, a proposal, and they pass it. If they pass it, it be- it, may- it becomes. But if they fail it, then you might consider bribing, or be, or you could beat them all up if you want. If you think you're powerful enough, <laughs> uh, yeah, you won't. You don't want to do that because then that permanently pisses off the senators. Yeah. So I, there's all these. There's all these. I mean, systems, systems, and just item world alone in any of this Disgaea games. I will put, you know, dozens of hours into just not only do you level up the weapons, but at the same time, you're leveling up your characters, you're, you know, you're, you're, um, and, and you're getting those residents that you mentioned earlier that can be transferred to other weapons. It's just insane. This thing has systems upon systems and Disgaea games are known, uh, for the fact that they basically beg you to break the rules, to break the game, to to come up with these insanely powerful characters. And, you know, the the prospect of leveling a character 9,999 seems very intimidating, but there's always one or two maps in the game where the entire point of the map is to exploit EXP bonuses so that you can do this very fast. And you also can have characters apprentice other characters so that they get an EXP bonus if... um, 
like one of your main characters does a, a killing blow on it. So you can bring up characters easily that way. Um, you also have your group attacks, which if two characters are standing next to each other, um, it has a chance to initiate a group attack and then they'll both attack the character, uh, the monster at the same time and they both get EXP from it. So, um, I mean, this or, or one of my favorite methods is to make a tower out of them. Yes, and, yes, yeah. and I, I, yeah, this is the first game in the series. Well, I think I can't remember if this is the first game in the series or not that did towers. Oh no, no the towers been, been around for a while. Yeah, okay. It's a tried and true <laughs> method of leveling some of your, you know, somebody that that's a low level, and it, that doesn't even talk about reincarnation. So your character gets up so high, you can reincarnate him back to level one again. Why would you want to do that? He basically gets higher base stats, level one stats, because your level ups uh, and the stats that you get on that are based on your original level one stats. So if you reincarnate with higher level one stats, then when you get yourself back up to 50 or 100, wherever the party's at, you're not going to have significantly improved statistics. And just doing that once or twice helped me get through the end chapters in a couple of the games. See, I, I was confused because in previous games, I rarely ever used towers because uh, characters that were in towers did damage. And in later games in the series, they got rid of that. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember the first two, but I, I thought on three, I was making towers and leveling up people through towers. Yeah, I think the first two PlayStation 2 games, you took pe- you had a penalty if you kept characters in towers yeah. because they would. I guess the weight would cause damage, so uh. I just avoided that like the plague. Ah, yeah, it's a fun way to kind of level up your peeps later on. But there's yeah, there's all of these systems, and that's one of the main draws uh, of the Disque games. Now that we've kind of done our best to quickly, ha 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 explain how Disgaea combat and leveling and mechanics and all the side stuff works, which, I mean, you can go back and listen to our original podcast and we spend even more time on those systems. But the question now, the question is, how does D2 differ from, let's say, Disgaea 4 that came before it? Well, um, it is one of the first games in the series to take out a lot of the stuff that you would normally do in the um, dark assembly and add it to the cheat shop. This includes being able to raise or lower the levels of the enemies before you had to submit a bill to the Senate and hope hope that it passed to raise the levels of your enemies. And if you wanted to like raise them to the maximum that it allowed, it would take two or three, it would take like at least five Senate bills. And in this one, you can just go right to a menu, change the bump up the levels all the way to the max and let it go and the the cheat shop also gives you um you can decide whether you want more exp more gold more weapon exp more skill exp so that you can really tweak what you're leveling when to even further increase your stat gains you know like Say you're running out of money because you go through you burn through money pretty quick trying to upgrade all of your equipment. Um, just turn the exp all the way down and the money all the way up and go fight a couple of maps and there you go. There's all of your money problems solved. Or say you know I was leveling up a lot of my weapon skills in this game so that I could get the huge AOE attacks so that I could really take on enemies all at once. So um, I would turn the weapon EXP all the way up and then go to a map where there was invincibility squares and just wail on people with a whole bunch of counterattacks and your weapon skills would just increase to a huge degree. 
Um, you can also handicap yourself using the cheat shop too by turning off EXP or money gains if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, that that was the big change for me because having to do that stuff via the Senate was tedious, and being able to change all of it and th- with just the touch of a button, uh, welcome and very needed change. Yeah, the cheat shop was uh, really really cool, and um, honestly, kind of surprised they hadn't done something like that beforehand, given the many ways they let you break and adjust the game to however you like. So, uh, very welcome addition. Yeah, it's one of the things that this game did get right, if you ask me. Yeah, and a lot of things around that I think it it did right as well. Like, one of the things I really liked is, so there's a a bunch of, like, base classes in the game, and um, I think through the Senate you could upgrade those, and uh, I think it's been a while. I think, like, your character's automatically upgraded to that next class, or you had to pay to have them upgraded. You had to pay to have them upgraded, and it That's took me thought. a couple. It took me a couple of reincarnations to realize that you could do that because I was doing it the old way, where you had to reincarnate them as yeah. a higher class. Until I was messing around, like, oh, you could just do that. Well, I wish I would have known that. Yeah, that it, that was a great change for me because I never use reincarnation. No, I never. I hardly ever did. Yeah, so that that was a nice a nice change, and in general, I just felt like the. Uh, the the only real complaint I had about like the class system was they didn't. Some of them took too long in in the game to like unlock. Mm-hmm. But I mean, other than that, um, you know, I really enjoyed building up a party in this game. Yeah, it, it's a shame that the story was so weak because you know it's the same Disgaea that you know and love with a whole bunch of improvements. Oh, that that was another thing that changed. Um, monsters were actually useful in this game. Yes, yes, yes. You could, uh, you could mount up on them, and you'd have the same stats as both and get the same EXP and stuff like that. And that was a really great way to get some characters up was uh, I, I used a lot of moths because they had a good AoE. And I think ghosts also had de- pretty decent AoE. Yeah. And um, I think that replaced the magic change ability and some of the pre and I think the sky of four where monsters turned into weapons and this one that you could ride them. Yeah. I never really liked the magic change that much. It just, just didn't seem quite right. And this was great. And I mean, I'm, I've never been a big, like dig into the item world. Uh, except when I needed to, but I was doing it a lot in this game. And in addition to just all the cool things you can do in combat, like one of the cool changes here was you could take a ship into the item world. So mm-hmm. you can unlock and buy different ships. And basically you always start on your ship when you go to a new level in the item world, which uh, on the outside sounds like a pretty simple change. But in reality, it's kind of a huge change because you always have this one area that you're starting from. You don't have to worry about starting in the middle of a bunch of weird random squares and having no idea uh, how to get out of get out of there, or just like starting around a bunch of instant insta death squares or something like that. It just it was great. Yeah, and what ship you started on really kind of helped. Well, one, it helped how far you could get into it, but also it kind of helped your min-maxing. Because my method for getting through the item world is to load up ninjas with as many movement buffs as possible and just try to get to that that uh, other panel as quickly as I as I can. Yeah. 
and it, having a really huge ship kind of put you at a disadvantage there because the base panel was always a couple of squares back, whereas having a really dinky ship like a canoe, the base panel was like right there by the level, so it saved you a bunch of those precious squares. Yeah, I totally agree. And now, I, now I, this is making me want to go back and mess around some more with this game, which I haven't played in a while, because it's one of the few that never got like a portable second no. edition, which is kind of sad. No, and I, I'll, I'll tell you, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if for that Disgaea 1 remake, if they just make this one DLC. That would be sweet. <laughs> it needs to be. <laughs> yeah. Because, you and, know, I... I bought this being a died in the wool Disgaea fan, being so excited for it, and I bought the collector's edition. And you know, at the time when it was new, I think that was when I was going on my honeymoon, so I didn't get a chance to play very far through it. And then after I got back, I got sucked into something else, and there was a whole lot of life drama going on, so I never touched this again. And I felt bad for spending that kind of money on something that I barely touched. And playing through it recently, it's like. I love you, Disgaea, but man, you did this needed to be DLC or an expansion pack for the first game. Yeah, and I mean, really, if I ever played it again, it'd be, oh, story sequence. Skip, yeah. skip, 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 skip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a love-hate relationship with this particular game for yeah. me. And this one has not been announced on the remake docket yet, right? No. no. No, it, it really seemed like they kind of wanted to get one out in between Disgaea 4 and 5, and they just kind of slapped this one together. Yeah, the only thing that really worried about worried me about this game was obviously they scaled back a lot of the things from 3 and 4, which I was like, okay, this is fine. This is a lighter game. It's supposed to be more like the original game, and um, as it turned out, I should have been worried, which we'll talk about when we discuss the next game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did not bother me in this one because really I, I felt like the level design in this one in general was really good. There's lots of interesting levels. I think the 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 one that always sticks out in my memory the most is it's like a it's like a broken bridge and you literally have to like throw your party across it. And I mean, if you throw some characters over there and they all die, you pretty much fail, <laughs> fail the stage because yep. there's no other way to get over there. So it really required a lot of thinking. And there were a lot of a lot of stages like that in D2. Um, so, you know, it, 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 yeah, it definitely felt like a game that was rushed out, but I'm glad that there were some people that obviously put some care into the game. And um, I mean, I, I gave it a four out of five and that was all completely on the back of the gameplay because man duh, I could do without any of that story yeah and I don't want to give them too much credit because I mean they try you could tell that they tried and they wanted to get a good story out but they just probably did not have the time to and yeah. that's and that's unfortunate because you know one of the best things about the disguise series is the story yeah I did from the first one that really drew me in three. I've always enjoyed the characters and like the overall plot. Like obviously it's a comedy and it's silly, but there's usually like some sort of main story with you know something a bit more serious in there, and it, it's always like a nice package. Mm-hmm. And this, I was hoping for like something, and just and, and never really got anything satisfying. And, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the original game, but, you know, 
there were still a lot to even then there's still a lot to like about the original game and a lot of the goofy side characters that came in there's always like new like that going back and looking at the original game there's always like new characters and fun things that's throwing at you and like none of that spirit is in this game Mm-mm. none well, of the new character i mean sicily is okay i guess but other than that i think she's the only memorable new character in this yeah. game everybody else is just kind of thrown in there yeah and they don't really bring a lot of the more memorable original or characters back from the original like i don't think mid boss shows shows up at all the main story i I mean how could you not put mid boss in this game i don't understand yeah and uh, yeah and and i aside from that feeling kind of been there done that one of the things that bugged me a little bit and i couldn't quite put my finger on it until i jumped into uh discaea 5 um was the presentation for me was kind of lacking like just the the ending screens are like eh like i sent some videos to 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 Kyan earlier and it's just like just look at the ending but just look at the end where you wrap it up and it's just like eh here's your rewards whereas you know for what you have to say good or bad or different about Discaea 5 the presentation the quality the ending screen was like boom you've won this you've won this it's bright it's colorful it's exciting it, it just it, it just felt like you said that zing that aside from the plot and the characters it just didn't feel like it was there it also was lacking in the presentation for me anyways it just felt like it really felt like taking a step back to a more boring time yeah i i tried to play devil's advocate in that conversation and said well maybe they were trying to you know make it like the first game but i mean you're right it you know, comparing those two videos, it does seem like they just kind of phoned the presentation in. I remember when EGM did reviews on the first game, people felt the need to mention, the plot is quite insane, really. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I don't know, to be fair, didn't uh, NIS have to be kind of dragged kicking and screaming into making the character sprites HD, too? Um, I don't think so. I think really with... Uh... Were they H? Were they technically HD in four? I can't. I'm drawing a blank now. I think four was the first one where they were HD. Yeah. Um, I, three, they were still pixelated. Yeah, I think three, re, three, three was really just they had just kind of started with that kind of development, and they weren't really even going to try. And so, you know, the thing I love about three is, you know, it's it's basically a PS2 game, but the only real thing they take advantage of is like the PS3's additional memory. Mm-hmm. So they just made these large, weird, totally out there levels that are uh, just utterly crazy. And uh, you know, I think some of that stuff kind of got lost from then on. Even though four is, I absolutely love. Um, starting to feel like they kind of lost something in translation uh, after that switch to HD. So maybe they shouldn't have been kicked, kicking and screaming into HD. Let them be. Pixelated sprites are fine. Well, yeah, retro is the new norm. That's true. Know. It's true. Oh, my gosh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> I, 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 told, I told my wife earlier today, if I see one more game with quote-unquote retro graphics, I'm going to barf. I think it's just an excuse to be lazy more times than not nowadays or cut cost. Uh, well, uh. you, can, you can tell when people put love and care into, into um, pixelated graphics, and you can tell when people are just phoning it in. Like, look at Shovel Knight versus... Oh, what's a good comparison? 
I, I've seen a lot of games on Steam that have have quote unquote eight yeah. bit graphics that just don't look like they understand what made what made eight bit graphics so beautiful. But that's another rant for another day. Yeah, well, just just a quick thought on Shovel Knight is the great thing about that game is it it doesn't technically look like any game that would be able to run on like the NES, but it's like what your memory thinks that kind of game would look like. Mm-hmm. And that's just... That's... There will be a point in the future where we do an episode of the backtrack on games that are deliberately trying to look retro. Some like, of them do it well. Pierre Some Sword? of them don't. <laughs> uh... That could qualify. That we certainly can't do an entire show on that one, or at least I can't. But I still need to uh, play it. Um, how? But I think Zboid Games also qualifies that. And oh yes, Dragon Fantasy. How about that? <laughs> there are a lot of them. Yeah. And anytime you get a lot of things in the market, then some of them will be phoned in. Yep. So, uh, any any other final thoughts? Sounds like we weren't too suit. Kind of like the gameplay, but maybe not super thrilled with D2. Yeah, the story could have used more time in the oven. Yeah. But, I mean, it depends on your what you prefer out of a Disgaea game. If you're going to this game expecting a, one of the great stories, then you're going to be disappointed. But if you just want to kill time beating up baddies, then this game is pretty good. Yeah. And it's a breezy running time, too. I think I finished it in about 30 hours. Yeah, well, when I was doing the summary, I was like, wow, this really only has nine episodes? It it, it felt... And yeah, when I played it, it felt short. So I was surprised at how short. Yeah, and I mean, if, you, if you're like, uh, forget this story and they're skipping it, it's probably even shorter, too. Yeah. But, you know, that's not a bad thing. It's it's If you play it like that, it's, it can be a fun, breezy little game. Uh, the, the the mechanics are very nice. The cheat shop lets you customize a ton of things, and best of all, it's probably really cheap now. So, um, despite all the negatives, it's actually worth playing. Alrighty, well then, let's move on to the game that got seven more points on Metacritic. To scale five, <laughs> do, we, do we have to Can Alliance we? of Vigeons? <laughs> Developed by Nippon Niji Software, published again by NIS America, released on the PlayStation 4 in North America on October 6, 2015. This is a single-player tactical RPG. Wait, Mike, it sounded like you were trying to say that maybe Metacritic, as an aggregator of scores, didn't do a very good job of summarizing this particular game's qualifications. But that couldn't be. We all know Metacritic has no flaws whatsoever. None at all. Just like Rotten Tomatoes has no flaws. Uh... <laughs> now, full disclosure, I'd never finished that. I, uh... I think I, I had to look at my trophies last night to see how far I got, and I think I got to like chapter eight, and that was about halfway through. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I'm not sure how I finished it, to be quite honest. Because you were reviewing it, and you just couldn't stand to leave it unfinished? Yeah, I think this... I see. I used to be able to play a bad game, like say Mugen Souls, and just you know whatever. I'm gonna finish this game, and I'm gonna to trash it to high heck. And this. But wait, this... I thought I thought Mac gave you a secret review code once for uh, another Mugen Souls, and then you didn't 
download you didn't activate it because you were suspicious for some reason yes yes well i entered it in i clicked next thankfully i looked at the game it was telling me to redeem and it's like hmm mutant souls 2 cancel 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 <laughs> cancel because and honestly, then trent got to play it yeah, and wasn't I'm, he ecstatic <laughs> Honestly, if I had redeemed it, I would feel bad unless I actually tried to play it. Just like that. So, uh, yeah, no. I re- I redeemed the agarest code, man. Look what I got. That was so. Uh, uh. But yeah, this game, I wanted to love it, and just forcing myself, forcing my way through it, I was kind of just done. Let's okay. talk about the plot first, Mister Mister Apps. Okay. What's the story? Uh, something, something, demons, something, something, space war, something, something, uh, Prinnies. If you hadn't added that last word, it could have been The Last Jedi. (laughs) Story was forgettable, wasn't it? No, I loved the story, actually. Ah. Yeah, so the story, uh, I'm, it's just been a while, and, um, uh, the, the gameplay pained me so much that I've tried to forget a lot about the game, but, um... So yeah, uh, I am really dr- drawing a blank on the main character's name right now. This is going to kill me. Is like, uh, I looked this up earlier and I completely forgot. When let's I'm just in. call him protagonist until we come up with something better. Hey, let's call him Edgelord because that's why he's so forgettable. That's all he is, is just he's angry and brooding. But he's funny as angry and brooding. It's so the the intro story sequence is really kind of fun. So one of the main characters, whose name I also forget, and I'm gonna pull something up right now before I forget any other characters' names. So Serafina, kind of almost the second protagonist, um, is defending. Uh, I believe she's defending her another world. So. Before I, I guess before I go jump right into that, so the world of Disgaea Five is a bit different from the previous games, where you'd go through like the demon nether world and sometimes interact with the human world and whatnot. So this uh, demon nether world is basically space, and there's tons of different like demon planets. I think they're called something else, but whatever. It's it's basically Disgaea the space opera because like the human world and all that stuff doesn't really have a big part in this game so uh, it's basically it's basically Disgaea in space um, but anyway Serafina's defending her planet uh, from Void Dark who is like this super powerful overlord and like taking over and destroying a bunch of the other demon places to conquer the universe essentially and she's fighting off some of his minions and the main character Kilia totally remembered his name and I'm not reading it off a Wikipedia page. Um, happens to be on that battlefield uh, eating curry. And eventually, through funny dialogue and hijinks, eventually helps her and they reluctantly band together. Uh, I think she like calls him her underling or something. And they go off on a journey to fight it back against Void Dark. And such so the adventure begins. Uh, and so there's a lot of different characters you meet along the way, like Red Magnus, who's basically like a uh, wrestler, and he talks like a bunch of different wrestlers. Uh, he at first he like talks like The Rock, and then like he actually has a character arc where he like changes how he talks later on in the game, which is pretty cool. And um, yeah, I wish I could remember a lot more about this story because it's. 
one of the nice things about this compared to previous Disgaea games, um, one of the cri- one of the criticisms I would oft- would often le- levy at uh, games in the past in the series is the main story sequences were kind of all there was, so they kind of had to fit in like some of the random humor, the main plot, and kind of, and they can often be like just overstuffed with things or what seemed like it was going to be a main story sequence was really just a bunch of nonsense. So mm-hmm. for this game, they brought in like a tales sort of system where you could get a lot of those sillier conversations while you're at the base and they were basically optional as well. So, uh, what that allowed is the main story sequences were actually mostly focused and obviously it's Disgaea. So there's still a lot of silliness, but they still managed to stay pretty focused and that prevented things like, um, one of my huge complaints from the sky four where one of the side characters, got way too much dialogue and was really annoying, that doesn't really happen here. And the main characters get to kind of have their story. And and I guess to compensate for that, the game is like four times as long as typical Disgaea. Yeah, it's like uh, six, 16 chapters. 16 chapters. Um, to, to compare this, uh, I believe my play clocks for some of the past games were about 30 hours for Disgaea 3, maybe 32, 40 for Disgaea 4, about 30 for D2, and about 80 hours for this game! And I was just playing it straight through. I wasn't trying to break the game or anything. 80 hours! Well, that explains why I burned out so hard. Yes, I did try to break the game. It's so long. I mean, for the for the most part, the story uh, is able to kind of keep going. But eventually, it just it does kind of peter out and take too long get, to get to the finish. But I mean, like I said, I did really love the story. The characters are really fun and entertaining. The localization is really good. Um, there aren't like a lot of weird. There aren't like there isn't anything like D two where suddenly there's a new character in the final chapter and things kind of randomly wrap up. It's like a whole good arc. The the main villain actually turns out to be like a character from Killia's past, and yeah, it's just just yeah a, a little bit too long, like I said. Uh, and what really makes that a problem? Because I mean, if I was having fun the, the whole time, you know, I don't really care if a game is eighty hours if I'm enjoying it. <laughs> but it was just torturous, torturous, torturous. All right, so we've talked about the combat systems of Disgaea games, which really don't change too too much. But what has changed in Disgaea Five from Disgaea Four and D Two? Uh, so one of the things that it kept from, unfortunately, kept from D Two is all those cool geo blocks. They could really stack up and create all sorts of effects and havoc on the battlefield. Yeah, those are gone. And like, so the simpler, like little what, what the heck are they called? Geo cube, geo little pyramid thingies. Oh crap! I can never uh, remember the name of them. I just know yeah. that you have to kill them. Yeah, so it uses the simpler form of those from like the original game, but very, very sparingly. Like, you, they're, I mean, they're usually there at least a little bit, but it, it had barely has any effect on the battle. So, in essence, a series that is designed all around being crazy and over the top and um, 
you know, have lots of weird, cool things you can do, feels very ordinary. Very, very ordinary for the vast majority of the game. Like, most of the battles, uh, I would say it didn't feel all that different from, like, playing Final Fantasy Tactics or something. Just... I I wonder if that's part of why I burned out of it because one thing I like about this series is that you to me you're not just playing a tactical RPG you're playing a tactical puzzle exactly and that, exactly and that you know you get these maps with these crazy geo panels and you've got to figure out what you've got to do in order to you know deal with them whether it be unlock the unlock sections of the map. Or you know, get an invincibility panel on something off of something or onto something to your advantage, and it, it kind of takes out the mundanity, if that's even a word, of um, overleveling. Yeah, and they tried to. There are some. There are some new things they throw in, like environmental effects. Like there's one of the worlds is like a swamp, so there's a bunch of squares that will poison if you poison you if you walk walk on them but i mean like i said it just feels very boring and a lot of the character creations and upgrade systems don't feel like a big step back from d2 um but one of the things that really kind of just soured me on it was uh so a lot of the main characters have like special super attacks which is not all that surprising, but they are, like, absurdly powerful. Like, Serafina's is, she can basically gets to control a block, a, a certain area of enemies for a single round, which is ridiculously powerful. And none of your creative characters get that. So where previously you could build your party however you wanted it really feels like the game is geared toward using those characters and if you don't want to do that you're probably going to have a harder time and yeah no you got you got way further in this game than i did um, yeah one of one of the things that they tried to sell this game on when they were first releasing previews was that they were really going to take advantage of the ps4 hardware and have huge <laughs> battles yeah they, they never did that did they no not really that disappoints me because i was really wanting to have these massive you know have to save in the middle of a battle well kind of like project x or project cross zone yeah yeah i've I've played some project x zone yeah but i don't remember anything really like that they were certainly a lot more detailed than previous games but i mean that's about it and the items the item world also felt like a huge step back. Like, so they got rid of the ships already, and it just felt like, oh, this is just like any run-of-the-mill item world from the previous games. There's nothing particularly interesting here. Okay, so help me out here because I played some of this as well, yes. um, but I, I worry sometimes that I might be confusing my different Disgaea battle systems. Sure. So... Did this one? Did this one also have where enemies have, like, sign like evil teas to where like it would it would be very significant as to what could hurt them or what could not hurt them. You had to really pay attention to what their evil teas were. Yes, which I think that kind of got on my nerves because. Uh, yeah, I mean, so in Disgaea, you've already got the fact that everyone's got elemental strengths and weaknesses, and that's clearly shown. So if you're like me, you use a, a wizard, you're paying attention to that, so you use the right element against the right monster for extra damage and stuff. Um, plus, you know, just some some 
because of the way the attributes work, uh, certain classes are just going to be better against others than certain other classes. So you, you've, it's not set in stone like Fire Emblem, but it's something you're always keeping an eye on. But yeah, then I, I think this is the one where there's also these evil teas that will have certain things like takes 50% less damage from boy characters or some you know stupid stuff like that, if I remember. And it yeah. would drive me crazy because you really had to sit there. You, you'd be whacking on something, wonder why it wouldn't die. And then you take a look at its evil tea and you're like, oh, well, oh, good grief. Well, I didn't plan on, uh, you know, a, ran- a Mothra or whatever it is, a, a random creature having this, you know, this, this evil tea that basically makes him immune to what I was planning. You know, because I didn't bother to read the small print. It forced me to have to go in and read the small print on every creature. I didn't like that. Um and going back to your item world comment, is it just me or did an item world uh, also have a lot less geo blocks and all that as well, right? What's that? Did the item world also, compared to previous Disgaea's, uh, like you guys were pointing out how in the story there was a lot oh, less yeah, geo yeah. boards. Was there a lot yes. less geo in, in, in item world as well? Yes. Yeah, which definitely turns that into a big slog. Because that's what a, I could do personally. Uh, so when you guys say, ooh, you know, Disguise Games built on the puzzles and this one kind of does away with it, my ears perk up and I'm like, yay. Because I'm the guy who I didn't care much for some of the boards that were – because the way I play is I'm usually playing late at night. My brain's kind of tired. I, I'd rather grind than think my way through a puzzle. But, uh, but when it came to the – uh, item worlds. It was all randomized, including a lot of those geo panels. And when those items got rules got really tough, and you just need those last few levels to polish it off, those geo blocks random craziness would come in handy. Or it was a great way to level up certain characters when they had like the double XP squares or XP up yeah. squares with invulnerability squares, and okay, that and that let, made let, it fresh. Okay, let's back up a second to D two. I th- I can't remember if it was after you beat the game or if at a certain point in the story you got an ability in the cheat shop that lets you turn off geo panels. But why would you do that? <laughs> For if you read if you're really focused, well, it's like um, turning off the random battles in Bravely Second or Bravely Default. It's for when you're like really focused on leveling and you don't want to have to deal with geo panels. I- I got pissed at I got pissed at some of the stories in previous Disgaea games where I'm just going through board after board. I'm sufficiently leveled to where I can normally kill the monsters, but there would be some boards set up with geo panels set up in a way to where I had to figure out the puzzle just to beat these enemies. That had those geo panels not been in the way, I would have been able to cream them. So and, and- you guys talked about getting through tougher boards with them as if it's a boon, which certainly that can be the case sometimes. But I look at the glass half empty on some of those where I was like, I should just be able to wipe the floor with them but dang it there's a puzzle i gotta figure out and i hate figuring out <laughs> and i'm i'm misremembering you could turn off the geo panels in item world only and um regular uh story stages they were still required uh and in item world i just didn't have much of a problem because they were they were rarely set up in a way in item world where it would prohibit your progress if there were bad squares or whatever have you since they were all randomized it was just a matter of not stepping on those squares but it wasn't yeah. like a puzzle that had to be figured out where you had to move just the right blocks in the right order or whatever you know take them down carefully so the it wasn't anything like that um but those story ones were definitely some some brain teasers but when i was wide awake they were fun to figure out uh in some of those i mean to be perfectly honest with you most of the ones in the main story games aren't really that hard they just basically keep you from taking your 
power level super dudes and just mopping forward with everything. They 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 slow you down enough that you still got it can't just steamroll the game. They were that hard for me because I'm stupid. Just I <laughs> just when I'm dead at night, I should say when I'm tired and I don't want to think. Yeah, some of those were just like, oh, I don't want to look this up on a fact, but I'm so t- I can't figure. Do I move this one square first and I move this one? It's too many steps for me to think ahead. So it, I guess it was just what mood I was playing the game, but there was definitely some times where I got frustrated with some of those. Most of the really tough ones usually show up in like post game content where there's like insta kill. Oh my god, they get harder. Oh, I'm not. That's why I don't yep. do post game. Okay, mm-hmm. there you go. That's why people have so many YouTube channels on these games, right? So that they can mat- show off. Hey, look how awesome I am. I spent 250 hours power leveling my team, and now I can beat the crap out of these super uber leveled extra bonus enemies. Or am I not awesome, everybody? That's funny. I so so essentially, in a way, D two and D five. Listening to 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 y'all uh, are basically like mirror opposites of one another. Whereas D two has an uninspired story, but but inspired gameplay. You're saying Disgaea Five is the opposite. It has an inspiring story uh, or characters, at least, but not not so so great in <laughs> not so great gameplay. Yeah, that about sums it up. Yeah. Um, I, I will... Go ahead. It's, uh, it's obviously a much bigger issue in Disgaea 5 because really when you look at the time spent in the game, you're playing the battles and messing with your characters a lot more than you're watching the story. So gameplay having issues a much bigger problem than the story being but. And if you don't have as many opportunities to use like double XP squares and the such to kind of get some of those levels up. That would kind of make it longer. Cause I, so for me, I, it's funny that y'all had said that you don't use reincarnation. I did a screenshots one time showing what my character stats were at like level. I think I was up to 60 or 70. Um, and then I reincarnated him, got him back up to 60, 70, which as you two know, doesn't take that hardly any time into Skaya. If you know what you're doing. Um, and got him back up there. I took another screenshot, and you could see like his stats were like a full twenty, thirty percent more than before, um, which is significant, uh, you know. But you know, it didn't take. It wasn't that much of a time investment. It was just like boom. I was like, ooh, um, I'm surprised y'all don't do that more often because that's how I I struggled with like Disgaea three was it or Disgaea four? I always struggled with the last couple of chapters, and struggle isn't the right word. It, I just know that. Normally, through most most of the story mode, I can just go straight through without too much grinding. But usually those last three chapters, two chapters, I have to stop and do a lot of item world or something. And usually doing something like a reincarnation or two helps, feels like that helps get me the, the stats faster. But I guess that's what the cool thing about this game is there's so many different ways to approach it and make your characters uh, more powerful. Oh, exactly. yeah. Usually my approach is find the first map that lets me exploit stuff and just uh, that's where my butt's parked for a week and i usually either get like one character up to ridiculous levels or i hit a point where it's like you know i really ought to play something either uh move on and beat this game or play something else for a while because i'm becoming obsessed yeah yeah so it's it's a shame i'll 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 have to put some more time into it at some point and give give a better uh, you know my opinion on, on how I feel the gameplay, because I only did, like, maybe a chapter or two. Nah, just play Disgaea 3 instead. Disgaea, yeah. Well, if they bring it to my Switch, 
I will say that presentation wise, uh, you know, going from D2 to, to, to Sky of Five, I really liked it felt more popish. It felt more the characters were more vibrant. It just felt like a better presentation. Yeah, it's it's a very nice looking game. The sprites are really gorgeous the... and they emote very well. Uh, and I really hope they use that engine for a much better game. Yeah, the, the colors and everything pop, the, the yeah. sound quality just all seems much better in that regard. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll definitely have to give it more of a, more of a shot just about my own opinion. Cause yeah, it'd be kind of a shame if it kind of felt, you know, like final fantasy tactics. I mean, ultimately I didn't feel like grinding in final fantasy tactics. I just wanted to get through the story because the battles do kind of feel sluggish. Leveling up is slow. You know, to me, there was, I'm not one of those people that just wants to grind up to 99 just to say that I did it and spend all the hours it takes to get there. But yeah, it's it's kind of a shame they took out some of the things and it made it feel more like Final Fantasy Tactics. I agree that would feel like a bit of a misstep, though admittedly, I don't think I would miss some of the story-based puzzles. I'd say. <laughs> Erg. Or it just took longer. Like certain ones where you just had to keep moving squares and building up stairs to get all the way up somewhere. Just I like, love some of those. I love just want to. I just want to beat shit up. I don't want to build Minecraft one turn at a time. But that's then you're playing the wrong game, Phil. You're playing the wrong game. Well, the funny thing was, it was only a spattering. It was never. It wasn't. It wasn't like a core. When when you talk about Disgaea, the first things you mentioned are you know the 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 funny story, the funny characters, the insane leveling mechanics, item world, uh the jury or whatever the senate. You 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 mention all these things and then and then yeah, geo geo pieces and puzzles and stuff are like they're they're mentioned but they're usually they're not the first thing that jump into people's because they're not really it's not centrally a puzzle-based game. It's not a puzzle it's not a puzzle-based it's not a puzzle-based game with some leveling mechanics thrown in. It's the opposite. It's a, an, it's a level grinding RPG with some puzzles thrown in here and there. And I wouldn't say here and there. I'd say it's pretty core in most of the games. I'm and with that. It's, it's not. It's not just like puzzles based around you know the geo blocks too. It can be like there's often levels where you have to throw your character somewhere, and it's not just a simple matter of moving your whole party up there. It's oh, I have to leave some characters behind because the only way to get up here is to throw them and you know i need obviously need to leave somebody behind to throw there throw yeah, them i mean i don't I, I don't consider that puzzle like that. that's that's tactics that's you know height dividing my party up that's tactical having to f- do the geo city squares in the right order to remove the barrier blocking me from the enemies or because they're powered up 10 times unless you destroy the right colors in the right order starts well, to feel more puzzly to me well that's tactics too yeah, because yeah. you can because you can use those same often use those same squares to your own advantage. The enemy times five. How does an enemy times five work for your party? Well, it doesn't. But sometimes there's other squares to use, or there's another block you can throw on there to turn those. Yeah, those that's the puzzly part. Squares. <laughs> I, that's the potato, puzzle. potato potato yeah now if it's just what i mean for me yeah you're right it's it's all subjective what you call a puzzle versus tactics i suppose but sure. uh, you know for me if it's one or two easy steps to do it then you know if it's just like something that's right in front of you throwing a guy across a chasm that's not a puzzle to figure out that's a gameplay mechanic it's sure. tactical but, but yeah I, when it's taken I, three certain squares I, in a certain order or the enemies so, are three times the level yeah so let me put it like this then, whatever whatever terminology we want to use here. Disgaea 5 has less of whatever you want to call it. 
it's less tactical, less puzzly, and less interesting. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll have to have to see because I might come out with the opposite opinion of like, oh, maybe it has less of those puzzles that irritated me. But I also feel like if the you know if that persistent item world where you know you're going level after level after level. And you're being forced to kill a bunch of boring stuff the old-fashioned way. That could that could be detriment because I do feel like it spices up in Item World. So yeah, hmm. let's try it. So, Abs, would you say that this game is less bad and more boring, or is hmm. it just bad? Uh, that's a tough call. I'd say it's more boring than bad because I don't think there's anything particularly like egregious. I mean, like, you've got all, like, the typical Disgaea stuff here, and that's probably why a lot of people either liked it or um, convinced themselves enough that they liked it. I don't know. Because uh, I think that's exactly why I checked out of this game when I did, because I just was so bored by, well, you like the story, I was bored by the story, and how samey the battles were, and I just couldn't bring myself to continue. Yeah. No, I, I'd say boring is probably the right term. Because, uh, I mean, if I put this up, I mean, if you ask me would I want to play through this 80 hours again or play a much shorter, like, bad game, I'd still probably pick this. But, yeah, it's just yeah, everything. So, so you'd rather play Disgaea 5 again instead of MS? Yes. Uh, but, yeah, it, you know, I, I can. I guess I can understand why some people like this, but it really took everything I really love about the series and shoved it in the garbage and that made me I don't even want to say angry it kind of just made me sad and playing through this game forcing myself to finish this game uh, it was not fun yeah I, I can't help but wonder because I got the Switch version and I can't help but wonder if maybe playing it in manageable chunks, you know, portably might help with some of the boringness because, you know, playing it on a console, when I'm sitting on my couch ready to game, you know, I'm ready to be engaged. Versus yeah. when I'm playing a portable game, when, you know, I kind of want to get a couple levels in before going to bed. I don't I don't obsess over games quite like console games, which is why I wonder if it would work better in bite-sized chunks. Yeah, I well, seem... Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, seem, I have the Switch version for some reason, and I've played it, and I seem to be at least enjoying it a bit more that way, especially because I can get some of like the DLC characters, because they're all included, and really just make a broken party a bit easier, and then I can just in the, in, you know enjoy the story, because I'm not going to get stuck uh, in some of the places I got stuck in my original playthrough, so... Maybe I'll eventually enjoy it a bit more, but I mean, even so, it's. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of Disgaea One. Not a, a big fan of Disgaea Two. Uh, I would probably dump this one as the worst in the series still, and that su- and that just sucks. It sucks. I because do because this this was supposed to be like the series making the move to next gen consoles, and you know, like I said, it's a gorgeous looking game and. Yeah, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm expecting too much, but um, I don't think I am. I think it's just not a very good game. No, I don't, I don't think you're expecting too much because they they hyped it that it was going to bring it. That's into true. It's in the next generation with that. <laughs> you know, I I made made this comment on RP the R, RP Gamer or 
RPG cast, I was mad when I found out about the Switch port because um, when they announced the PS4 version, they said we're never going to port this because it's going to be so <laughs> huge that you can't, Oops. that we're not going to be able to. And clearly there's plans change somewhere. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting, uh, just while y'all were talking, looking through some of the you know reddits and stuff like that there the the geo the geo discussion splits people um there are definitely a, you know a couple of comments of of how their proliferation in three and four frustrated number of players so i wonder if that's what they saw and they said "Ooh, let's try a different approach and see how that goes yeah uh, i i don't know mm-hmm. but i agree with the idea that uh, its portability helps um i agree wholeheartedly with that uh i played i played three on my playstation and i got like maybe two-thirds or halfway through it but when it came out on the vita oh man i just couldn't get enough just having that in the palm of your hand and doing it in those bite sides like you said whereas on the tv it's really hard to sit down and say oh, i'm gonna play a you know uh disgaea game when i've got like something like horizon zero dawn staring at me or the upcoming monster hunter you know generations but um yeah or my apps is calling me up saying play Monster Hunter 3 on the Wii U. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say, no, sorry, apps, I'm playing some badass Disgaea 4 right now. <laughs> but uh, but on your handheld in, in between here and there and stuff, that's a different Oh, no wonder you haven't played Dragon Quest 7 lately, Phil. You've been playing Monster Hunter again. Mm, it's the addiction that doesn't go away. I blame Mike. He's an enabler. Do we need sorry. to have an, interve- an intervention? Intervention. No, so, Monster Hunter is a healthy addiction. Uh, Part of a balance. For how is- long? How long until you have to start selling things out of your house in order to afford new gear? No, no. I mean, uh, if you're addicted to, say, um, I don't know, um, having an apple every day, which keeps the doctor away, that's totally healthy. So a Monster Hunter a day is therefore a healthy addiction. Ah. I totally took down a, a, a frenzied uh, Rathian and and his friend Monkey while you guys were talking. Hey, question. Is it worth 50 bucks? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Disgaea 5 is 50 bucks? Yeah, really? well, it's 55 bucks if you want Disgaea 5 complete on a Nintendo Switch. Oh. I mentioned if you oh. use your, if you use your, well, if you use your Best Buy discount, it's always, I have Best Buy, I always keep advocating the Best Buy discount program. 20% off all new games, you get that for 48 so it would be well, 50 bucks at Best I mean, Buy. Switch games are basically their own currency at the moment, so that doesn't really Dis- surprise Disgaea me. 5, uh, well, I'll give you the other one. Disgaea 5 Al- Al- Alliance of Vengeance on the PlayStation 4 that came out, what, two and a half years ago or so? That's still yeah. running 50 bucks what? on Amazon. Wow. <laughs> because it's, it's an awesome game that everybody loves. <laughs> well, that explains why it came out full price on the Switch, because when the Switch first came out, and all I had to play was Breath of the Wild, and I Breath of the Wild wilded myself out. I really wanted to get this game for the Switch, just so that I would have something to play. But I did not want to pay 50 bucks for something that I already had on the PS4 just to play portably. And eventually, like around Christmas time, Target had it for like 30 So I quick shot my husband an email. I was like, hey, get this for me for Christmas. Why? Just, just shut up and do it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh... Yeah, I would wait for about there there's no reason. Forty forty four seventy nine on eBay. I wouldn't just don't buy it. <laughs> Is that with or without shipping? Uh that's with shipping included. Oh, oh I found 
I found one for sixty four ninety nine plus five dollars on the PlayStation. Here's, here's an idea. <laughs> Disgaea One Complete is coming out in the near future, and you can get that either on your Nintendo Switch or your PlayStation Four for a cool fifty bucks. And that's, I guarantee you, this is the Mike Apps 100% guarantee you, that is better than Disgaea 5. Oh, I, I pre-ordered the collector's edition for that. Oh, so did I. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. A lot more Disgaea talk for y'all boys and girls. Oh, I, uh, had, I had one more thought here. One more thought, okay. And that, uh, and that was the, the forum thread surrounding my review, which... Um, made me want to just delete my review and move on with my life. Uh, funnily enough, people that disagreed with me still had the same complaints. So I'll just leave that out. <laughs> so people that supposedly disagreed with me had the same complaints. I can't remember. Did our old friend Otter decide to chime in on that, or did he not care? I, I don't believe so. You know, some people have just have different tastes. I, I yeah. remember... Uh, you know, one of my favorite games when it came out was Tales of Zillia 2. And when I saw somebody, I think on RP Gamer, gave it like a 2.5, I was like, what? <laughs> and then. I think that would have been Adrian. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it's like, how dare he? That was better than the original. And then, like, well, maybe it just didn't click with him like it did me. But that's okay. Pe- people can have different opinions. It's fine. Yeah, fine. If, if you I... love Disgaea 5, I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> Dude, this is a fun forum thread. I found it. Wow. Oh my goodness. There, there's a movie reviewer who summed this up pretty well. A review sums up how you, the reviewer, feel, not how the reader feels. How the hell would the reviewer know that? <laughs> uh, there you go. And also, Mike, just remember you did not review Star Ocean 4. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Although I guess if you want notoriety, that would that would have given it to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, hell, you had people signing up for an account for the first time just to tell you what they thought. I mean, that was awesome. Uh, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of the series. I have one of the characters from Disgaea Five on my desk. I didn't hate it that much. I, I gave my honest opinion that I really did not. This. I mean. Why? Why would I want to hate this game? Why would I make up hate for this game? It may, it well, because obviously you have a buried agenda, and you just are filled with hate, and you had to spread it amongst the world <laughs> gaming populace, right? I guess. Look, this is what the game facts people are saying that you're filled with hate, and you've got to take this game that you hate so much down a peg. That's the only reason it could have possibly been. It's all no. part of my agenda to make everyone play more Disgaea 3. Uh, yeah, as, as, as you know, GameFAQs threads are always right. Their <laughs> logic is impeccable. You know, I, I, I will say that aside from the logic that it's a review, which is someone's opinion, and you can't really yeah. argue that. Uh, aside from that logic, I think one of the cool things about RP Gamer is that we have a bunch of different staff members who were volunteers, were passionate about the hobby. That's why we volunteer our blood, sweat, and tears to do uh, reviews and, and put ourselves through games we don't like sometimes uh, because we care about the hobby. And 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 we and the funny thing is we're a diverse group, and there's some of us who don't even like the most popular. There's somebody out there who 
doesn't like Final Fantasy VI. I'll never let them on the show, but <laughs> there's somebody yeah. out there. I'm just kidding. But I, there, you know, there's there's people out there. There's there's a game for everybody, and there's some people who actually like Mugen Souls. I'm sure somewhere. No, hey, no. Wait, yeah. you, you have someone on the podcast here that has defended uh, Final Fantasy thirteen as a game. Oh, that, that would be me. Oh, that would be me as well. Oh, okay. Long distance high five. Yeah. Long distance high five. It, it would not there be me, but I. Whatever. I, uh, I'm hey, over Final Fantasy 13, hey, especially since I, I played I, the PC version, which apparently was not the best way to play it. I listened to that backtrack, and it's like, okay, just take a deep breath. They're probably going to have some harsh opinions on it. It's fine. And I, I got through I I haven't listened to Tim podcast yet because i was kind of scared for that one because that one is a little polarizing but hey i i will be on lightning the lightning returns one should it happen to defend that game also a good game yay (laughs) (laughs) let me see if my new machine can play through 13 2 so that can offer another another review on it no 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 just go to lightning returns skip to Come on, I will be completely lost. You know this. Look, uh, these, you're going to be lost have anyway. insanely complicated narratives. Like, I, I played too. I had no idea what was going on in Lightning Returns. And it was fine. It was totally uh, fun. I treated well, all- also, we have one review on the site right now of 13.2, and it gave it a three and a half. I don't think we can let that stand unchallenged, can we? Also, you Can know, we? Uh, Sorry, I forgot what I was to say. Something about the 13 episode. Yeah, I, I treat them all like completely different games. They really are. Yeah. Well, it's Square's fault for making a series out of them. Yeah. Can't deny that. Yeah. That's so, probably why when we did the 10 episode, we, for some reason, felt like we had to talk about 10 too. I can't imagine why we did that on the same episode. Can you? So there and, you and apparently Phil is really, really tired because usually this means that he chimes in with his what favorite can I do song for you? ever. There we go. Yep. <laughs> no, the cat. There's a cat on my lap, and he's very distracting because I <laughs> throwed him down, and he was jumping back up and rubbing his fur all over my beard. But re- re- regardless, I mean, the, yeah, the, the point is we, we, we all have different opinions. And that's what makes yeah. this show fun. Um, that's what yeah, makes I'll, doing this fun. I'll give you a good example. Someone gave Alliance Live a 2.5. And I did not rage quit the site. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> and I actually go. read. I actually read his view and was like, "Oh, I can see that perspective." So. And, and he's dead to you to have, now. It's what? <laughs> and, and yes, and, he is dead to me now. But it was nice to read a different opinion. You know, I didn't give it an official RP Gamer review, but I recently talked about you know Jade Regent, and in my own blog review. I, I gave it what would be considered, a, I don't do scores, but the the mark I gave it would be considered a lower mark for what many people consider to be a masterpiece. Um, because, I don't know, I found the combat to, I found the combat totally, totally cringeworthy and stiff and stuff. But other people swear by it. They couldn't believe it. They're like, oh, they wrote me back on tour. I like, you know, I, I like, it was awesome. It's it's great. You know, we all, we all have different opinions. It's, it's all cool. Um, cool. Variety is the spice of life. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, listen to the reviewers that you most get along with, and yeah, you'll be fine. Anywho. So, so long as you don't try and force your opinions on others, that tends to get unpleasant. Yeah. 
You know, especially about games. I just, I never understand that. We're just talking about games and people's feelings on games. It's one thing to stand up for something you, you know, like ethically, you know, you're standing up for, for, for innocent lives or something. Heck, we do that as heroes in the video games. That's worth standing up for and standing up to people for. Stand up for rights and stuff. But come on, guys. It's gaming. Chill. Relax. It's supposed to be something you play in your leisure time, right? Unless you're a game tester, and then you probably don't want to talk about games after you've played them and tried to break them 60 hours a week. <laughs> uh, but anywho, uh, I think we're ready to wrap this one up uh, with the final lap when we come back right after this. our comments we talk about what we're doing read the news we goof off it's the kitchen sink of our podcast it is the final lap and uh we like to kick off with your comments on our last episode which was rpg backtrack episode number 187 we're going to war because we were talking about the lang greasier series because it's the most greasy series of all i i love that this did not come up at all in our previous discussion how did how did its greasiness never get addressed? I know. Especially by the two of us who actually played it. Yeah, I'm not really sure how I missed out on that that golden opportunity. But uh, maybe not maybe, either. That's not like you. I know. Maybe use Dawn. Uh, Dawn cleaned the podcast. Yeah, Dawn is supposed to fight Grease. Uh, Joshua Marpenter says, finally getting caught up on this episode. And so much of it is Phil reacting to disproportionate character art. Add Langrissier to the long list of games I need to try someday. I, I think I think he's overreacting to my overreaction of disproportionate character art. Obviously, I should have included a few images so that everyone can understand what you were reacting to. Maybe I can amend yeah, that. Yeah, I think I think they need to check out the forum and we'll add some pictures there. Because, guys, if you saw these pictures, I think you'd understand. I think you really would. See, I didn't get a chance to listen to that episode because I think you guys recorded it when I was away, and I just never got around to it. So I don't know what these what these images are you speak of. You you don't know. Oh, you what? don't know. Let us let us let us open your eyes. Okay. Yeah, let us pop. I, I think that can be 
uh, that can be arranged. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, just, just warning. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. You just can't. You can try, but it doesn't work. Oh, the oh, internet. Shit. The internet has desensitized me, so try me. There, there's the first one that I told good old Phil about, and he, for some reason, thought that this outfit didn't look very practical. Did you Skype it? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, maybe Skype. Huh. Evil Skype. What? I gave you the... Fine, I'll put it into Slack. Jeez. Stupid, stupid Skype. Oh, how, how maybe many? Skype is, maybe Skype is trying to tell us that uh, links from Google are bad. You have to use Bing. I guess so. No, oh, pop- well, well, pop- that is a but. Oh. <laughs> you are correct. That is definitely a but. That ding. is some butt floss. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Uh, and I apologize to our listeners. I don't know why this normally is an issue when I record, but I, I think some of the Skype notification sounds might be coming through on the podcast. So my apologies, technical difficulties, not completely uncommon to the RPG backtrack. Um, eh, it's not and then, fun. And then, I'll, and then I'll give you an example of what some of the men look like. Cause, uh, we, we can't be sexist here. We must show what. Satoshi Yoshihara makes both sexes look like. Oh my gosh. That's. Oh, it's coming from my cell phone. That's where it's coming from. Uh, wait, no, my cell phone's on silence. You guys hear? I don't know where those sounds are coming from. Gosh, this is a high quality production here, boys and girls. Um, maybe just send it to her privately, Mike, because no, I, I can't figure out how to make it stop making sounds on the podcast. Now, you see, the guy doesn't look that bad, even though, you know, his chest armor is perfectly contoured to his abs. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, he's supposed to look like he's got one of those extremely manly builds and manly do's, and I I think that's coming across. Uh, yeah, manly by way of Fabio. Oh, jeez. <laughs> while, while Mike is trying to find a more offensive picture for you, Umbria says, I really loved Warsong back then, even with the bad review. I did have to buy the new Langrissier on the 3DS, so they know we want more of that series. I really need to try the other one, too, as they seem really good. See, I have that 3DS one. I bought that one as a defensive buy because I knew that they probably weren't going to print very many copies of it. And I keep hearing that it's an excellent underrated game and that I should play it immediately. Am I where wrong? Are you, I, where are you have, hearing this? Have, have I heard wrong? I, I feel like I'm hearing wrong. I think... Since you are wise in the ways of emulation, you have an easy way to experience certain other Landrisser games that are, in fact, superior to this thing that was resurrected more than 20 years after this. Well, about 20 years after the series was pretty much dead from people who had never worked on it before. And it kind of shows. Huh. And, and there's more wonderful artwork that I have shared with you. I, I can't even remember if I shared that one with Phil, but I'm sure he will react if I have. Oh, jeez. I'm not looking at them. I, I'm I'm trying to forget what I saw, so I I'm I'm not looking at any more pic. No. Yes, I, you are. I I I know. No, no, I'm, I'm not doing it. I, my eyes are fully on the next comment. This one's from Budai, who says, "Good episode." As far as Monster Hunter, it didn't click with me at first. I completely gave up on try. I hope some people who dislike the series keep going, and maybe they will fall in love too. And yes, the movement system in Dragon Quest XI is cosmetic. For those who do not want to move around, it serves no real gameplay purpose. Yeah, um, 
as of this recording, they announced that uh, Generations is coming to Switch. Or I that think was, it's, that, it's like you're stealing my thunder. That's supposed to be part of my to, <laughs> later on. I'm the Monster Hunter guys. Thank you. You just you just spoiled this whole thing. Thank you. I'm, I, where's my mic so I can drop it? I'm just gonna throw this this Yeti mic on the ground. Hold on a second. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. That's expensive. <laughs> Do you have something else you can throw on the ground? My cat. Can I throw my cat on the ground? Uh, you can. Will your cat resist and try to claw into your flesh? Probably. I was gonna say, isn't your cat super old? Won't you break it? Oh no, no, that one, that one kicked the kitty bucket. Oh, yeah, my bad. We just got the uh, the middle aged one now. And middle aged cats, in my experience, don't like it when you try to suddenly let go. So yeah, you will probably experience some shredding and tearing if you try it. Hmm. Shaman says, the list of games I would rather play than subject myself to any more of Langrissier after my review is quite long. It may actually include <gasps> the Dark Spire. I see it. I I can't agree. <laughs> I would rather play 3DS Langrissier than the Dark Spire. <laughs> I realize this is a very select scale of ratings. <laughs> I would also rather play Langrisser on 3DS than that thing from Idea Factory. Oh, you mean another strategy RPG that IF is known very well known for? Which ones? I can't think of any that are well known. Oh, are you saying that I should play Spectral Souls? Because I'm sure that'll be great. All the Idea Factories that I've played so far must be the lousy ones. Maybe if I get into Spectral Souls, then... I'll experience the good of the company. Oh, wait, I'm not going to try it. Never mind. Yeah, Anna on RPGcast is a huge um, hyperdimension Neptunia fan just because she likes them ironically, and she couldn't even get through the strategy RPG that they put out in that series for Neptunia. I haven't tried those either. I'm somewhat leery of attempting any more Idea Factory titles at the moment. Perhaps if... Mac pulls a trick on me the way he tried to pull on Mr. Apps and throws a hidden, I would guess what the game is, review code at me and I foolishly click on it without attempting to ascertain what it is that I am getting myself into. Maybe you will find another one in my docket of things to play, but that is not my plan at the moment. Interestingly enough, I think uh, Idea Factory put out a game recently that was good. I think it was Mary Skelter. Mary Skelter Nightmares? Ringing I know any the bells? name. I, yeah, that's a Vita one, and I I swear that's one of those that Mac was asking if anyone was interested in the review code for a few months ago, and I was doing something else at the time. and Obviously, it was so important that I have a very clear memory of what it was, and I'm sure that clear memory will come back to me any minute. Let's continue. <laughs> Uh, he says, suffice it to say, my only disappointments on seeing hit Metacritic's worst games of 2016 were that they didn't quote me and that there were four games that were worse. <laughs> that... And again, I I agree that it's a bad game. I can't agree that it's the worst game of 2016. Well, I, what else did I put Yes. Oh, yeah, I played Agarest Zero that year. Oh. It didn't come out that year, but it was most assuredly worse than Langris or 3DS, and I don't care what you tell me, I will not agree that Agarest is better than Langris in any way, shape, or form. Oh, boy. Ouch. 
you too can share your thoughts about the games that we discuss at forums.rpgamer.com. You can also hit uh, hit, hit us up at Twitter. I'm at JC Servant. Mr. Mickey's at you, Mason. And we're happy to read your comments on the air. Um, oh, just thought maybe I should just double check the old Twitter feed here. You know, keep saying I'll read your Twitter comments and then I don't actually check them. Uh, so, hmm, what do we see here? Lots of Monster well, Hunter talk. I just looked out of curiosity. I just put in Google the worst games of 2016. Uh-huh. And literally, literally Land Greaser was number five. According to Metacritic. Yeah. And, and Metacritic didn't bother quoting Shaman because uh, – Metacritic just provides links to the reviews. It doesn't actually feature any text from them. Yeah, the the rest of it is just shovelware I've never heard of, but that being in there was very telling. Yeah, maybe there's nothing to defend about that game. I don't know. I submit that you can find a very good Longrisser game translated for Genesis slash Mega Drive or for Super Famicom without much difficulty, and that will give you a much better sense of what the series is about. Or you can try and track down Warsong, which will run you a fair amount now because it was not a very highly printed cartridge. And even the really common cartridges are running more than I expected nowadays. Oh, what retro games have gotten awful as far as prices. Donald, uh, Donald Mick on Twitter had written, wrote, whatever... If the 3DS game gets brought up, I think it squeaks in under the two-year rule. Know that it makes Lunar Dragon Song look like Chrono Trigger. Ouch. <laughs> now, now there's pain I can relate to. And again, I can't fully agree. Because Lunar Dragon Song, no, no, that is that is still a worse game. Uh, that, that, is a, that is a horrible steaming pile of awful betrayals of the fan base and rotten mechanics. And Langrisser 3DS is more forgettable to me. So take that for what you will. I, what, what great praise I'm giving it. I have forgotten most of it rather than having its horrible agonies burned into my brain. What can this mean? Oh, it must mean that I had a great time. That's the only possible conclusion that can be drawn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, leave your comments, get Mike fired up some more, uh, thanks to the power of social media, and we'll be happy to discuss it on our future episodes of RPG Backtrack. Uh, RPG Backtrack, as I always say at the end, is a production of RP Gamer, and if you haven't been there for a while, we have had a complete facelift. Well, (laughs) well needed, long needed, desperately needed, uh, facelift, and the site looks a hundred million times better for it, and it's so much easier to use. Uh, so, if you head over to rpgamer.com, we have. Oh wait, Phil, there's a there's a character portrait that I definitely didn't share with you last time. I think you need to see it. No, my holy, cow, what is it with these people? I just don't understand. What is that? That's pornography, Mike. That is that pornography. It's I'm just under sure boob. <laughs> but there's there's like I can see nipples. There's nipple edge. There's totally nippleage in that picture. Look at that. Hey, that that's PG thirteen nipples. You can get away with that. Oh my goodness gracious. Oh my goodness gracious. You see, now I have to go to my Catholic priest and confess. Good going, Mike. I wasn't gonna go to the Catholic Church this weekend, but now I have to go just to confess. Well, I figured you wanted to look at a character that actually was added to Der Langrisser and wasn't in the original Langrisser too. See? Oh Aren't you glad that no. Satoshi Yoshihara was called back to do these no. new character designs? No, no, I'm not glad, Mike. I'm not. 
I am glad that all of our episodes of RPG Backtrack are now up on the new site. You can now Yay. access them under podcasts. Uh, all 187, uh, this will be 188, are now there for your perusal. And I have found out that I can put individual thumbnails on them. I've only done the last episode, but that's pretty cool. I can add images. So I oh, might cool. start doing that for the new episodes so that when you're looking through the archives, it's a little bit easier to tell what's you know what the, each show is about because they'll have a little picture with it. So that's pretty neat. It's really easy to add, though. We also that, have a... Go ahead. That'll certainly be, be nice for uh, figuring out what shows we've done and what games we've done. Yeah. Think, it will. Yeah. I actually was... You know, a funny thing happens when somebody, one of your housemates, decides to switch out the internet provider, get the new bill in his name, and then leaves without paying it. A funny thing happens, which is called internet service shutoff, that has to be amended by going to the internet service provider and paying the bill. So I haven't actually spent much time with the new site yet because uh, it's harder to do with no internet. You might agree with that. Mm-hmm. That's but... true, but you got to admit it is more mobile friendly. Mm-hmm. But I do have your bike back, Mike, because not only did I been paying attention to that, and I've also noticed that we have a really great article up there by uh, by Washua Marpenter and Strawberry Ramos uh, about histories of the emblem. A nice historical um, article about the Fire Emblem series. You might want to go. Probably check would that have out. tried to contribute something to that if I had you know, been able to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One th- one thing that it's m- that I do not recommend trying to do on a mobile device is write lengthy articles. It doesn't work very well. Mm-mm. No, it does not. Nope, it ends poorly. And we also have the April 2018 edition of Backlog in the Year by Miss Sam Wakamater. So you might want to go and check that out. She writes about uh, Suikoden Two. It's on a uh, top of a lot of fans list as far as favorite rpgs goes as well as a little a lot lesser known rpg called galaxy of pen and paper so you might want to go and check that out so you only get those articles at rp gamer you don't get those at ign another article that we did to celebrate the launch of the new site was um the most memorable rpg moments for many of the staff um i i contributed to that one i wrote about final fantasy 10 and a bunch of other people contributed to a lot of it uh josh wrote about um cape is that trails in the sky too and uh estelle and joshua union which is really touching and it's, it, it's a, it brings back a lot of good memories from a lot of games that we've played over the years and what stuck out to you hmm, and hey awesome. that, that particular moment i think we talked about not too long ago on the backtrack for some reason yes. why would i think that because we did the, what the marathon, my, my mind isn't playing tricks on me <laughs> a marathon of a show Relatively. In recent years, yes, but as, a, as I'm sure you remember from earlier episodes, there was a time when we went to even more monumental lengths. Oh, yeah, I, I remember. I appreciated those shows when I uh, had a pretty boring job. It's a lot harder to do those now when I have to get up early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we did like weekend shows, it'd be possible, but not during the week. I would never get any sleep. We also have uh, new reviews up for Tales of Erevorn, Cursed Lands Review, The Swords of Ditto, The Alliance Alive, and The Witch and the Hundred Knight 2. So you can find all of this and so much more over at RPGamer.com. I think I remember Josh saying that Witch and the Hundred Knight 2 was not an improvement on the first. Which, which means you should go out and buy it right away, right? 
Um, sure. Yeah. Because you, you want to support everything, right? Yeah. You want to have more RPGs released in North America, and the only way to do that is to indiscriminately buy every single one of them that's released, right? Right. That's the way you support the, the industry. You, you heard it here, folks. The way to support well, the industry is not to be sp- selective in any way, but to just buy unquestioningly. It's funny because he when he was talking about it, and I was like, man, the, the more he talks about it, the more I want to try it just to see how bad it is. You know, it, It's like hearing about a bad movie, like The Room, and you're just like, it, it can't be that bad, can it? And he's like sitting there on Twitter talking me down, like, no, seriously, you do not want to touch this thing. It's like, I know, but... You're talking about it being so bad. I want to see. I want to see. It's like a train wreck. You yeah. can't look away. Yeah, you shouldn't watch, but you know you're going to. Um, that's funny. So, uh, yeah, I will say uh, The Witch, uh, the 192, whatever the hell it's called, got the lowest of those four games as far as scores go. Just looked at them all. Hey, uh, and yeah. So, and I will I will be having a Cosmic Star heroin review go up shortly. I, again, having no internet made that harder. But mm-hmm. I do owe a, I do owe a review to the site since I played the Vita version. And all I can tell you specifically about the Vita version is that load times between screens are sometimes annoying. And there's an extra area where even at the lowest difficulty, you will get your butt pounded immediately unless oh. you just feel like mastering every possible stratagem and using it and yeah you're not going in there unless you really really want to pay attention to every little thing you do so you're you've been warned i was curious about picking that up because i'm limited limited run games is doing a print run of it for ps4 and vita and and no wait no it's just ps4 and vita because it's not out on the switch yet and i wanted to at least grab that as a Vita card, just to, you know, have it, have it in my collection, because I do like having physical RPGs in my collection. Yeah, and, and I would recommend it, because on balance, it was fun. I will, of course, be able to expand upon that in a full review format, rather than saying, uh, I, I kind of had fun. It was like Fantasy Star 4 and Chrono Trigger. And it wasn't quite as good as either of those, because those are really awesome, but it is pretty fun, and I really appreciate what they did. Yeah. You, you may you may insert your own tone instead of whatever the hell internet trolley thing I was doing there. Would you say Would you say it's the Dark Souls of 16-bit RPGs? What the heck does that even mean? It no, was a running not. <laughs> that's been a running joke on the internet for a while now that everything is the Dark Souls of something. Dark Souls is the Dark Souls of games. Uh, do I? If you p- fail to pay attention for a moment, then uh, you're probably not going to get your ass killed in, in Cosmic Star Heroine, so I don't think the comparison holds water at all. Uh, unless you choose to play it on the highest difficulty, in which case, knock yourself out. I, I feel and like... Can, and you I, can change at any time in the game, so if you feel like experiencing, oh man, that was too easy... I'm going to try it on the hard. Well, up to you. It's right there. You can do it. I honestly feel like that Dark Souls gets way too much credit because before Dark Souls was Dark Souls, we had Shin Megami Tensei games. We should be saying, is that really the Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne of Super Mario Brothers? What, you know what I'm saying? Like, it should be Shin Megami Tensei there. Well... It's it's hilarious because do you remember when we were kids when all video games were Nintendo or Fire Emblem? 
Fire Emblem's a tough series. It was like all video games were Nintendo, and then at some point, all first-person shooters were Doom games, and then all this Wolfenstein 3D clone. And then um, at some point, all creative sandbox games were Minecraft games. So you know, there's nothing new to this trope. It's just another trope. And and heck, we even have a whole genre, roguelike. We've named a genre. Why did you have to link this to me so that I see some idiot? Oh, the influence of Dark Souls on Avengers: Infinity War is hard to ignore. I'm sure that's going to be well researched and well thought out, not some passing resemblance that was just thrown in. Oh, okay, okay, we got way off the tracks. It's time to bring it home. Isn't that what we do here? I well, we're it is. Back, back, yeah, well, you know, let's 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 bring it back because it's going to get late at some point. It's just amusing. Humans like to find similarity in things, and video games are no different. I feel like I just got through. I just got through uh, intermediate finance one. This was the hardest class I think I've taken so far to date. It should be. That's what I'm going to say. This was the 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 finance class of RPGs. That's what I'm going to start. Anyways, uh, let's do the round table where we talk about what we're playing, what we're doing on the side, whatever. Relly, what are you doing? Well, as you all know, I um, was kind of on a hiatus from Backtrack, partially because I hadn't really played a lot of the games that were being discussed, and partially because I was out of town for a week in April for my anniversary. And my husband and I went to San Francisco and enjoyed the sights and sounds of the city by the bay. Did you get some Um, gear deli? No, we did not get gear, gear deli. We did go to Alcatraz. And that was really cool. I could have spent all day there, but that's like one huge hill that you've got to go up in order to get to the prison itself. And that's a lot of walking. And by the time I I went there, this would be over 20 years ago, uh, they had cassettes on Walkmans that you could take with you and they would unspeel narrative about the, the prison. Something tells me it's a little updated now. Yeah, it's it's MP3 players now. See, I'm I'm old enough that I remember Walkmans. Now I'll I'll have to tell my husband that he'll find that quite quaint. But yeah, it was <laughs> it was interesting because we both did the tour and we both had our little audio MP3 players, and I could tell that he was like a minute ahead of me because he was just sitting there staring at me while I'm trying to wait for the next set of instructions. <laughs> and eventually, we had to like stop and like, okay, I'm at this track, are you at this track? And then we were in sync again. And um, I imagine on your t- cassette tour that it took you out to one view where you could see, like, the bay and the Golden Gate Bridge and all of that stuff. And that was, like, literally the most amazing view I think I've ever seen in my life. I think I took, like, an entire SD card worth of pictures just in that spot alone. It's a gorgeous place. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the thing I was looking forward to the most wasn't my uh, Alcatraz trip. It was my um, hour I rented at a cat cafe because that had one of the first cat American cat cafes in the United States. And I must say, nothing like pay- paying 40 bucks to drink tea and pet cats for an hour. So, yeah, pro-, pro tip with booking time at a cat cafe, book your time more earlier in the day because by the time we caught got there the cats were just kind of done with for the day (laughs) 
I've never gone to a full on cat cafe. I've just gone to places that have cats. Yeah, I, no, I was just, I was really curious about going to one, and I mean that they were friendly and stuff like that, but they were also like tuckered out, so nobody really wanted to be petted. They just wanted to sleep until like the last fifteen minutes when the lady got out the treat container just to kind of rile them up again, and like they were they were literally cats coming out of the wood. It was amazing. Was there any catnip, or is that too much? I don't think they had any catnip. Um, they had catnip toys, and they had like just kind of bins of toys for them to play on. But you, you could kind of tell that they were all just exhausted, and it was like four <laughs> in the clock in the four o'clock in the afternoon. The sun was going through the window, so all they just wanted to do was sunbathe. But it was a really nice. It was a really nice organization. They rescued some ferals, and kind of it gave them forever homes. And they also um, work with local adoption. I think it was called Kit T Cat Cafe, and they work with local adoption places to get them ado- get cats adopted out too. So it was a very interesting time. Um, the main thing, the main reason why we went to San Francisco was because my husband was using it a test as a test run to do an actual Japan trip because they have Japantown there. That is true. I remember going to a really freaking big manga place in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, we went to the same manga place, and uh, we went there twice because the first day it was so busy that it was like standing room only. So we went there the next day, and both that's times, pretty much standard for San Francisco. Um, it was everything's su- crowded. Yeah, but Sunday it was particularly crowded because they were having a cherry blossom festival. I, yeah, I guess I can see it. So it, it was very crowded, and I was very, very uncomfortable because of how crowded it was, because I don't really do well in tight spaces anyway. But both times at the manga place, I know my husband must have dropped about 100 200 bucks, and he said that he he could have, like, spent his entire savings account there. <laughs> It's a good thing he exercised restraint. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I turn into when I go to a retro game store. So I, I don't blame him at all. And I didn't really get as much swag as he did that trip. But we didn't really find any decent retro game stores there. They were, I think, all the good retro game stores are in L.A. Yeah, there may be some in the greater Bay Area, San Jose, Oakland. I haven't been on a search for those. I know San Francisco itself Space is just such a premium there that a, a yeah. good retro store probably can't afford the rent. <laughs> yeah, because the two that we did find, um, one of them um, wasn't was very reasonably priced, but they didn't have a whole lot that I didn't already have. And then another one had a whole lot of rare stuff, but they were charging out the eyeballs. And I, I I've done enough retro game shopping to can that I can tell when a place is gouging and that that place was gouging something else. So didn't pick up a whole lot of loot, but I did have a very good time. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to go back, back again or not. Um, Just because it was very expensive to vacation there. I think we spent a small fortune on parking (laughs) garages and be thankful. It was only a small fortune. (laughs) Yeah, I, I will never take a parking lot for granted again because, oh my God, those those parking garages are just money traps. And that is San Francisco. There There is not enough parking. There will never be enough parking. So get used to it. It's not going away. 
Yeah, well, I, I had a feeling it was going to be that bad just because uh, my main office for work is in Atlanta, and I have to go down there on occasion to get, go into the main office to do stuff, and I know that parking there is bad, and that city is just a fraction of what San Francisco is. Yeah, Atlanta has the advantage of being able to expand. San Francisco is pretty much fixed in size yep. unless somebody wants to go do the Singapore thing and buy a whole bunch of sand and dump it in the bay so we can expand the city. Yep. So, yeah, I think if we do go back next time, we're going to get a hotel in one of the suburbs that actually has a parking lot. And, and then take I, a BART or a bus. Yeah, and we'll probably just do public transportation because that's what I do in Atlanta because I – I don't really drive well in places I'm not familiar with, and it's easier to just do the uh, train station or the cab. And there are a lot of one-way streets in San Francisco, and if oh. you try to find parking, oh, you will be on them a lot. Yep, and uh, there's a lot of construction and a lot of weird parking laws where it's like you can't park here a certain time. So we, we were pretty frustrated by the time we, we got done, and – I know that we're going to want to do a Tokyo trip sometime next September. We're trying to save up money for it. And at least Tokyo has decent public transportation where it's not going to be as much of an issue. And I asked him, is it, are we going to rent a car? And he's like, no, because that's driving on the <laughs> other side. That's driving on the other side of the road. And there's no way in hell. Yeah. And I don't even know how easy it would be. I don't know how uh, particular the Japanese are about making sure that you know the rules of the road. Yeah, I think it'll just be easier for us to commute or, you know, do, do cabs, do um, trains, stuff like that, because I'm told that they have a very excellent train station or train system, rather. I but do believe we'll, you are right. Yep. But but we will see. I, I do know that. Um, well, um, let, let me back up. Um, he bought so much stuff that it cost us about a hundred bucks to ship our stuff back to Kansas, which seems like a lot. But I mean, he had like two huge Lego sets and a uh, mountain of books, and, and stuff it would like have that. been a lot more if you had tried to take it on the plane. Yeah, yeah. So I can only imagine how bad our luggage is going to be shipping back from Tokyo because I, I, I know that I'm going to at least want to drop 200 bucks at your potato. Well, there's one good point. I don't think Japanese airlines are necessarily as bad about reaming the customers as American ones are. That's not going to help you once you end the international part of it, but it may help you get out of Japan without too much trouble. Yeah, um, it's really going to depend on what I find. I mean, who, who knows if I can find a Japanese Saturn or... You probably can. That was yeah. the country it was most successful in. Yeah, yeah, but I, I know that I'm going to probably drop a pretty penny at that super potato. That's my main goal is to go to mm -hmm. that place just because I've seen pictures of it and it's it sounds like gamer heaven. Well, you want, you're want you going to the heart of Japanese gaming. I think you can find pretty much anything you want there. Oh, it's, it's going to be awesome, but it's going to set me back, though. I, I don't even know what kind of pricing. Did, I mean, I'm going to have to expect over there compared to here because I know that um, – Keep Japanese, an eye on the exchange rate. That's all I can say at the yeah. moment. Yeah, and I know that Japanese stuff was kind of known for having lesser print runs, so who knows? We'll, we'll just have to see. I just um, there's a play because my husband and I um, vacation a lot in uh, Colorado because they have some cool stuff and they have one game store called um, Game Force 
that I've seen on uh, that you, you see YouTube videos of all the time. I found out through about them via GameSack and went went there, and I think both me and my husband dropped about two hundred bucks each just because uh, just on imports alone because they have so many imports. <laughs> so. That was Sounds like quite the adventure. Oh, oh, it is. We we love going on road trips and that, and it'll be interesting taking our adventures across the sea. That's super exciting. Yeah, so th- that was my big adventure because of it. I haven't really gamed it that much. Um, been leveling my characters in WoW. Put about I've, I've put about ninety hours into Nino Kuni two, and I'm about to fire up Strange Journey. Because that just arrived as of recording today. Let the pain begin. No, oh, it's a pleasure. It's game S&M. Uh, 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 Mr. Apps, I know you had to take care of a couple things. You've been quiet. What have you been working on on the side or on your gaming habits or whatnot over the last few weeks? Uh, well, I just put up <coughs> an article about uh, some recent Switch ports, which included uh, Battle Chasers Night War. Darkest Dungeon, and Saturday Morning RPG, all of which make the transition quite well. Um, so there wasn't actually all that much to say about them other than they're pretty sweet ports. Uh, I am also will shortly be starting Strange Journey. Yay! Seems like everybody awesome. on the podcast today has got a copy of Strange Journey and it's is eager to take game. a run at it. It was a good game. So did you have a means to conquer it that phil could have used no <laughs> no it's a hard game well that, now, so, now now we have established we have well we have established though that this version does give you a difficulty rating selection unlike the original which you can actually change at any time during the game so if for just a hypothetical example pulling out of my ass you play the whole game on normal and you decide that that end boss is a douchebag well you can turn it to casual and hopefully have a better run of it, which is not something I had when I had sunk 85 or so hours into it on the DS. Well, yeah, because the DS version didn't have cheat mode. Yeah, it did have cheat mode. And, and, unless you had a crap ton of uh, whatever the currency is, and you you used a code to get one of those demons, one of those really powerful demons somebody else had off the internet. That's how I beat the game. Right? Mm-hmm. That certainly what? helped me a few times. Uh, but what else is going on in your neck of the woods, Mr. Mike? I'll soon be posting the first episode of Q&A Quest on the new site. We put up the first episode of The Hunt on the new site, which is episode three. Uh, and and, and, and a funny story about that. And, and, <laughs> and all, all three are up there now. Yeah. All three are there, yeah. But funny story about that episode, the day, the day after the we day. recorded, the, uh, Capcom decided that, hey, we're going to announce... Uh, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate release. Everyone's stealing my thunder today. I don't even know why I'm on the show anymore. I need another microphone to drop, Mike. Where's my microphone? <laughs> I don't drop- know. Where did you? You didn't tell me where to keep where your microphone should be kept so that I can be apprised of it. I, I think I just need spare microphones just so I can I drop. I think you're them. right. Yeah, I'm gonna go buy some like some broken microphones off of eBay just so I can drop them. This I dropped the cat. Does that count? Yeah, yeah. I tried dropping the cat, but he kind of lands on his paws, and he's real quiet, so it doesn't have the same effect. And but he yes. probably gives you a really nasty look, as if, why the hell did you do that to me? Monster Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate is coming to the Switch. That's exciting! Yeah, that's good news. That's good exciting! Thing I did, good thing I didn't play World so that I'm not used to all the cool stuff in World. Oh, jeez. You know, 
I, 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 I have no problem playing World and then slipping back to the old ones. But I don't, I, you know, I have a friend who I did talk who would, who is a total, maybe I'm jaded because I played the older ones before. But I've had a friend that played through World with me. He really loved it. So I actually talked him into getting a 3DS. He didn't even have a 3DS. Poor soul. And got him to get Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. And there was definitely a bit of getting used to certain things, like the fact you can't just run back to the tent and get all, you know, get new items or get different weapons. <laughs> you just have to hit the reset button. But uh, uh, no, he likes it a lot. It isn't that huge of a leap. I mean, obviously, a big change in graphics. Right. The action is still. That's what he was like. You know, once you get over the graphics, the action is still there. The action is is really still awesome in four four ultimate. But is it that awesome in generations, Mister Apps? Mister Apps, I missed what you said. What did you say? I said, oh, we were talking about how how the action in Monster Hunter Four Ultimate is just as exciting as Monster Hunter World for the most part. But is it that way in Monster Hunter Generations? Um, I would say so. It's got some. It has some minor issues, uh, but for the most part, yeah, it's pretty sweet. I know a couple of those are being addressed uh, with the ultimate version, such as, at least according to what I saw on the internet, which is never wrong. But they've uh, they made it easier to level and skill up your palicos because that process in generations feels incredibly random and it's frustrating if you're trying to really maximize your palico growth. For sure. Uh, now, is that one that's coming out on the Switch, is that the one where you could play as the Palicos, too? Yes. Okay, good. It sure is. You are going to be able to play a Palico on your HD television. Oh, oh awesome. It is. I'm so excited. Uh, very, very excited. I even popped Generations back in my DS and kind of, like, fired. Because you're going to be able to transfer your 3DS character to the Switch, if you have one. So, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I never got that far in Generations on that character there. Maybe a dozen hours or so. But I'm like, knowing that that's coming out, I'm going to just pop a little, you know, Monster Hunt here and there on that game. See, I bought Generations for 3DS on sale. It was, um, like, buy two, get one free at, like, one of the retro game stores. And I fully intended to play it, but now it's just going to kind of collect dust because mm. the better version's coming out. Well, you can transfer your save, so if you start now, you can actually make progress. Yeah, you're going to get a head start. Transfer it over, yeah. I, I, I might need to do that, but yeah. then again, Stranger Journey's calling me, too. <laughs> Stranger. What else, Mr. Apps? What else are you doing? Anything else? Uh, well, I recently got into the closed beta of Magic the Gathering Arena, uh, so... I have been playing that a bit. She is much better than all the previous incarnations of Magic on a computer. So that is wonderful to see. So not exactly an RPG, but still worth mentioning because it's awesome. Wasn't there a Magic the Gathering game on Windows that might qualify as an RPG? Probably. Are you, are you talking about the very famous Windows 95 version? Where you played a character roaming the land, and when you attack monsters, you played a, a Magic the Gathering session with them, and if you beat them, you got to keep their cards to improve your deck, so you could eventually take on the five elemental dungeons and beat the bosses. Not that I've ever played that game before. Hmm, <laughs> that, that does sound suspiciously like the template that I was imagining. Uh-huh. Which also 
came included with a full tournament mode, uh, including expansion. Is 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 beautiful from what I hear. Again, I I haven't played it, but from what I understand, this is just hearsay, right? Hearsay. But what, from what I understand, it was incredibly robust, and the rules were pretty darn well executed. Especially, you know, given that it was a Windows ninety five game, and uh, if you were to somehow procure. A, a copy of the game and abandonware or anything along those lines good luck getting that to run on your modern day windows machine because it's not it would not be easy it's a windows 95 native game <laughs> but it really breaks my heart like it, it it has spoiled me just reading about this game of course because i never played it has spoiled me for any other magic the gathering computer iteration or even hearthstone to a degree because every time I sit down and play those, I like the mechanics. And, and of course, their graphics are much better nowadays in the new Magic the Gathering games. Uh, the animations are, are gorgeous. But all you can do is play the computer or play other people. But there's no good RPG mode where you can build up a character and build up a deck. And that would force you to experiment with some with different permutations that you would not normally choose to make a deck out of, if that makes sense. Uh, but then as you as you went through the game, you collected more and more cards, you would hypothetically be able to create your dream deck because you're not limited by money. You're not limited. It, it literally would have – it had all the cards in the game at that point or at least I think like 90% of them. Uh, it was just a matter of finding the right enemies, beating them, and getting those random drops. But eventually you could have your dream deck and then go and beat the big boss of the game with it. That is awesome. And it just makes games like the single-player versions of Hearthstone and Magic the Gathering games that I played – after that just feels so shallow by comparison because they're terrible because they're multiplayer games yeah you, but you either, should not it, waste any time in their single player content yeah you know and yeah and in multiplayer games it feels like the same way to me too but that's just me it's just me i'm not a big fan of like just sitting there playing the same game against random people from the internet over and over again um that's just me though everyone's got an opinion mine's different it's Weird. awesome what? games are like different every time yeah yeah, but it's just to me, it's just like playing the computer, just playing random decks when I'm just playing with randos off the internet. Yeah. See, I get frustrated with Hearthstone for that very reason, because, you know, you get, I mean, Hearthstone is a free-to-play game, and you get somebody that, you know, spent 50 bucks on cards, and they have all the best cards. And I'm, in the sorry. Meantime, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh, I, pro- I probably played you and lost. Well, probably not. <laughs> Uh, I'm assuming you're probably like ranked 20-ish. Oh, I haven't touched Hearthstone in a couple of years now. I kind of fell out of it. Okay, so... I think the highest I ever got was maybe like enough to get the card back. Just okay. bare minimum. Yeah, I, Oh, I wait, Mr. Apps, you haven't gotten to comment on something like this. Here, hey. I, I know this Landrisser art will bring forth some kind of reaction from you the way it does from Phil. Oh, boy. What am I? What am I clicking on? Well, it's just a character from Longrister Three. You can tell that she's definitely battle ready. Oh, uh, what? Well, she, uh... She's she's ready for something, Mike, but it's not battle. Uh... Okay, it might be it might be one of those brothels or something, but it's not battle. Well, she's a she's a cleric slash priestess. You know, those are. Those ladies rarely wear a whole lot of clothing because being uh, – that would imply that they are not preserving their entire essence for uh, the, the hereafter, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, just so wrong. I think she's submitted where she's going in the hereafter by dressing like that. 
And I don't think it's the pearly gates. Well, look, at, look at her. She she's got uh, those nice that nice drapey scarf thing, <laughs> and the the curtains for uh, uh, the are for her uh, shirt sleeves. Oh, good lord, Mike! She's taken she's taken a a a three inch wide piece of cloth and wrapped it around like ten percent of her body. Well, that just tells you that she lives in a place with very consistent temperature. <laughs> I'm worried about you, Mike. I'm beginning to worry about you. Maybe we should have an intercession after the podcast today. Does she have a crotch? I swear she has. Anyway, no, no, stop it. You're not doing this to me. This is Michael Apps segment, okay? Mike, I'm sorry, Apps. He, he does this sometimes. He just, he just takes yield, things completely off the rails. I yield the floor, sir. <sighs> you, you don't find that artwork to be remarkable in any way? Remarkable, yes. <laughs> that is are a good you, word. Are you pleading the fifth apps? Uh, yes, yes, it's <laughs> a good idea. I, should you ever play a Lindrisser game, then you'll get to experience more characters who were designed by this artist, Satoshi, Satoshi Urushihara, who has a definite style about him. Wouldn't you say? No. Well, there's a style. There, there's a style. All right. Ah, uh, so bad. So, so bad. Uh, let's see here. I, 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 Mr. Miki, what have you been doing aside from looking up questionable content on the internet? I thought that described pretty much everybody who uses the internet. Yeah, probably. Sure. Hey, if, if Avenue Q have taught us anything, the internet is porn. Well, let's see. I've got that Cosmic Star Heroine review to write, and... What will I say about it? I will say that it is a lot of fun in battle, that the settings are very nice, that the story seems kind of rushed in spots, that the soundtrack is very impressive, and it is an effective homage to Fantasy Star 4 and Chrono Trigger. And I will say that in considerably more detail once I actually write the review. Now that I have internet access, that shouldn't be much too difficult. And yeah, everybody's been talking about this this strange journey redux. Well, a little while ago, Mac was asking around, seeing if anybody wanted to have the review copy of the game, and I finally volunteered. And all I've gotten so far is the difficulty select and gone through a whole bunch of plot stuff. Uh, I, I answered some questions. Wow, that was that reminded me of a Longrisser game, actually, because they do that in a bunch of Longrisser games. Answer questions to determine your initial stats. And actually, I haven't been playing a whole lot else lately. Oh, yeah. Yes, I was. I was playing Muramasa Re- Rebirth, going through the finishing of all the DLC for Genroku Legends, which was a lot of fun. Muramasa Rebirth is awesome. It and is. Also- and I will also have a review up for that pretty soon because our current review never mentioned the DLC. I believe it was written before that came out. And the DLC actually deserves mention. Otherwise, hmm, I don't know. We probably can't talk about Infinity War because <laughs> Phil probably hasn't seen it yet, like even though he movies. saw the first Avengers. I'm like eight movies behind right now. Well, do you know who Thanos is? Uh, right? Big ugly dude with the huge ass chin and he wears a glove he keeps yeah. holding the glove up as if it's important or something well he wants to wipe out half the life in the universe well that's that's with fine the glove. little population control never hurt anybody 
Except for the half that gets affected, of course. What about you, Mr. Apps? Did you see Infinity War? I think Apps left us again. It, it sounds like it brought a no, lump to his throat. I, I am back. I saw Infinity War uh, the first night. IMAX 3D. Ooh. I don't have an IMAX here. That uh, That's not possible for me, unless I uh, feel like going five hours away. Uh, it was It was awesome. Yeah, I thought I was going to squeeze my husband's hand off when we saw it opening uh, night, just because of how intense it was. was. Yeah, there was gasping, there was clapping. Uh, it was good times, good times. And then everybody is pretty much silent when it ends. Yep. Yeah. Because that is not how comic book movies generally end. No. Yeah, my sister, we, we saw it again on um, Mother's Day, uh, just because my mom is a huge Marvel fan, and I went with my mom and sister and husband again, and my sister's like, I am so disappointed. And I'm like, Michelle, it's it's Empire Strikes Back. And once she kind of, it kind of clicked, I was like, oh, like, yeah, you're supposed to be kind of <laughs> feeling not good right now. And at least you can only have to wait a year instead of what three years? <laughs> three for for Empire. Yeah, because they were already making this, whereas Return of the Jedi had to be completely created after Empire came out. Wait, you mean to tell me that George Lucas didn't know what he was doing? Mm, I don't think I want to touch that one. Because <laughs> after all. The solo solo movie is going to be great, right? Proving that Disney knows exactly what it's doing. Hey, to be fair, Donald Glover looks like he's going to make a pretty bitchin' uh, Lando. Hey, all the, all the early reviews are super positive. Yeah, well, they're all the early reviews, the ones that Disney allowed to come out. Hmm, I wonder what will happen in a week when the general reviews start coming out. Eh, I'm, I'm really not that worried. Well, yeah, I would be shocked if Disney, after sinking $200 million or whatever, it sank into this project, and then redoing it after firing the original directors and scrapping all the footage, allowed it to be complete crap. That would be yeah. a horrible waste of money, but... Yeah. Maybe somebody at Disney needed a horrific tax write-off. Who knows? Mm, no, I, my guess would be whatever it looked like originally was probably crap. Because <laughs> that's I mean, usually the case when they do things like this. And I mean, to, to play devil's advocate, you know, they're asking this actor to play that's playing Han Solo to essentially be Harrison Ford at the peak of his career. You know, you know, be... I, I kind of shoes to fill. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for the guy that's playing him. It's like, okay, you're playing this charismatic actor that was at the top of his game, um, what, 20 years? Or Actually, it's been longer than that. It's been 40 years ago at this point. So be that, be that guy. Be that guy. We'll, we'll bring in an acting coach if we need to. Yes, that actually did happen. Yeah, so. Anyway, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I don't see it being quite as much of a sensation as Infinity War, though. No. Well, it's also like a, I want to say, lighter, fluffier movie, right? It's not, it's, it, it doesn't seem like it's anything intended to be anything substantial. Just like, looks like a fun heist movie, and it's probably easier to pull off, pull that off anyway. Certainly, so. I certainly hope it's going to be more of an, an upper than uh, Rogue One, because that it, was yeah. a little intense. Plus, it seems like 
Last Jedi just came out, which it really wasn't long ago. Yeah, that was only December. Ah, well, Disney's not, Disney is not hurting for revenue no matter what happens here. Nope. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, yeah, A Quiet Place. That's a good movie. I've been curious about that. I really don't... It, how to talk about it is difficult without knowing your your local theatrical environment because I've been more or less fortunate enough to have people who generally shut up and pay attention to the movie around me. But if you go there with people who generally like to just shove things in their mouth and, hey, oh, yeah, wasn't that cool? Oh, that was awesome. Oh, oh man, i got to tweet about this right now. That's not going to work for this movie at all. Yeah, that's what I've heard. It demands that you actually pay attention and that when things on the screen are quiet, they are really quiet. So you will notice if people are making noise in the theater and being jackasses. See, at our our local theater, we have a balcony that my husband likes to pay the extra, like, I don't know, seven bucks or whatever to do so that we don't have to sit next to the people that are usually rude during movies. And, you know, usually it's only, like, first run, like, your Avengers is and your Star Wars and stuff like that. So, typically, your kind of second-rate horror movies don't really make it to the balcony. And and usually, if they don't do that, then we just wait for video because it's not worth it. Yeah, and it it might have gotten the balcony a few months, a few weeks ago, but... With Infinity War and now Deadpool 2 and then Solo and then, oh yeah, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, that's coming too, hooray. Uh, I don't see it getting the balcony back anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. For me, that'd be kind of one that I'd rather just see at home in the silence of my own home and then freak out because the cat made a noise and it scared the crap out of me because that's how that works. You're saying you'd prefer to see it in a quiet place. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, I guess I was fortunate enough to have, let's see, the first time I saw it was uh, with maybe three other people in the theater. And yes, they were quiet. And the second time I saw it was because relatives said, hey, we're going, you want to go? And they paid for my ticket. So sure, I'll go. And yes, they were also quiet. But if you can't guarantee that, if you think there may be little stupid teenagers who have no idea that sometimes you actually need to pay attention in a movie, then I don't recommend it because this is one where it really does require you to pay attention and not just look up at the screen every now and then and ascertain, oh, hey, somebody got cool and got killed. That was cool. Yeah. Okay. Now, what were we talking about, man? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't, isn't P sucky, man? Uh, something like that. Just knowing what I know about the lore of the movie, I just have one question. Mm-hmm. Do, do these people ever not fart? You never hear it. <laughs> you know, it just that would be my undo in a world like that. Maybe they have really good, specially strong depends on. It, you never see the typical horror TNA crap, so maybe it happens. I, I don't know. They make, they make the occasional sound, sure, but it's not a fart. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that people weren't pretty quick to kind of hold that in. But still, that, that, that was just my first thought when I heard about that premise. Well, I think 
more concerning would be a woman who is uh, pregnant and going to give birth because that would be even noisier. Right. Yeah, see, seeing that scene in the trailer, definitely, I had sympathy pains, and I've never even had a kid. I've never had a kid either, and yet I know babies are not quiet, and the process of having them is not quiet. <laughs> and I don't think it ever can be. Oh, and I also saw a really crappy movie called Truth or Dare. Uh, that just sounded stupid, just from premise. <laughs> well, come on. A demon is inhabiting your truth or dare game, and it will make you keep playing truth or dare. And if you decide to not play, you die. (laughs) And when the demon takes over people to make you play truth or dare, it looks as if somebody's trying to do some Joker cosplay, or as somebody actually says in the movie, it looks like a Snapchat filter. (laughs) It does have a really hilarious ending just for how terrible it is. Wow. I I feel like spoiling it because it's so funny and this movie deserves no respect whatsoever. Spoil away. That's what we're about on this show. (laughs) All right. So we've got our lead. She's such a generous person. You know she's generous because she was going to go do Habitat for Humanity work during spring break until her roommate told Habitat for Humanity that she got shingles. So she couldn't go do it. She had to go with everybody on spring break in Mexico. What a great roommate. But she made up for it by saying, oh, all of us are going to join you for two weeks at Habitat for Humanity this summer. You just have to go for spring break now. And this, she's just so nice. She keeps trying to pick Dare so that she won't have to tell this horrible, horrible truth to her friend. And then, of course, she has to tell it anyway, and it's awful. So you know you're dealing with a really nice lady. And then we're down to only her and her best friend, and there's no other way out of the game. Everybody's going to die unless she can get more people into the game. So she makes a video and posts it on YouTube, and at the end invites everyone, truth or dare, And she has just invited thousands of other people around the world into this game to be killed off so that she and her friend can live a little longer. What a nice lady. Hey, maybe she's doing some Thanos stuff, you know, making less (laughs) less people in the world so that you have to build less houses. It's all part. That's see. That's what I'm talking about. That sounds like a solid plan to help solve our poverty problems. (laughs) Hmm. So all the people who are rich and are therefore able to be watching YouTube in their leisure time, when they die, then poor people will be able to move in? That seems like it would be unlikely. Probably. This is, all, this is also a movie in which a, a character, I can't remember the exact words, but it's pretty much, I'm gay and my father doesn't approve. And then he's dared by the demon to come out to his father and he does and uh, they cut that scene because it was apparently too hard to get anybody to act for real and it worked hooray you you never saw it but his dad who was against him being gay he's fine with it now that was a great scene that you never saw so I'm going to call this as a very poorly written movie sounds like it Oh, there's that one other great line of dialogue. We've got a doctor, a med student. He's been prescribing people prescriptions, even though he's not a full doctor. And somebody calls him out for not being a doctor. And he says, that's not what my lucky pen says. Because his lucky pen says Dr. Stephen Colbert, or whatever the heck his name is. And then his girlfriend says, I thought I was your lucky pen. 
<laughs> Which I don't, I've never heard anyone say that before. Have you? I call that unrealistic dialogue, but it was funny because it's, you know, I'm done. Never mind. You're up, Phil. You watch some of the most interesting movies, Mr. Mickey. <laughs> that uh, you do. That is, that is all I'm going to say. Oh, I think I just figured out why I'm having issues with Skype. Oh, I somehow had, oh, I had two copies of Skype somehow on the computer at the same time. So that's why I was, again, I apologize to our listeners. Boy, this, this final app has been riddled with IT technical issues. I'm sure you've been hearing Skype sounds and all kinds of stuff through the wazoo. That is my fault and I've just figured it out. So my apologies because I really can't edit those out. It's I wish I could. So, um, but they should stop here very shortly. Here, um, anywho, what have I been doing? I've been playing. Well, you mentioned Muramasa Rebirth. I've been playing Odin Sphere. Uh, I was just sitting on the couch looking for something a little bit different to do out of the Monster Hunter. Had it sitting there. Odin, it's like Odin oh, Sphere on the Vita or the original one uh, on the PS4. Okay, okay, right, right. It's on PS4 too. I I have it on Vita. So that's what I thought of. I yeah. think I have the PS3 version because the PS4 version got expensive. And is the Vita one, is it after the PS3 version or the PS4 version? Because they definitely have some differences. I think it's the same as the PS4 version, but I can't swear to that. I haven't studied does, it. Does the items, does, do you get to pick the items from like just a big open bag or do you use the item circle thing? I don't know. I was playing Muramasa Rebirth, not... Not uh, Spear on Vita yet. I just figured you memorized every element of every game you ever played, Mike. Gosh. Well, I remember it was the circle on PS2, but that's the original. I haven't played the the Lathrasir yet. Anyhow, uh, it's, you know, just, just playing that on, on the TV. Of course, it's super, super gorgeous. But the gameplay, I just was really, really enjoying the gameplay and the combo system. And the story is pretty interesting. So really in, got played that for. then i also in uh so i kind of i i mike i've just i've had to give up on seven for a while it's just too meh i don't know how else to describe it but after 40 some hours in now i just don't want to do it anymore mike hey it's just, you got to your class change uh, yeah yeah and that was exciting for a dozen hours or two especially after the fake out that before you got to the class oh, change. oh my goodness gracious that's the problem with this game it just drags Every quest, everything in it feels like it's about two and a half hours too long, multiplied by all the side quests, multiplied by the... Cl- it's just, everything feels like it, it needs, it takes a lot longer than it should. And, and of course, I keep reminding myself that on the original PlayStation 1 version, that this was somehow even slower. Yep. And took even longer. And I, people, we have a Facebook, there's a Facebook group I'm part of called uh, Turn-Based, uh, Turn-Based Roleplay Gamers or something, like RPGers or whatever. And people will defend this game till the end of time. And, and, and God, I, you know, I, they're allowed that. I just, for me, I, I just, I just find it, I just find myself wanting to play something else. And so, so far that something else has been Dragon Quest VIII. Uh, by comparison, so far, Dragon Quest VIII has, of course, it's the beginning. It's the first dozen hours in, so things could definitely slow down. But it's been moving at a better clip. There's more story. I care about the characters more because in Dragon Quest Seven, you know, once you get the people in your party, uh, they don't they don't really contribute a whole lot more to the plot. They don't have much character development. They're kind of blank slates. It's Are kind you of... trying to tell me that the the boy who used to be a wolf cub and then says pretty much nothing after you get him on your team, that story didn't touch you? 
that that yeah. character art wasn't one of the greatest you've ever seen? I know it's mind blowing, right? But it's just putting me to sleep. It is cute when he changes outfits and having a little priest rainbow outfit on the back of the wolf is hilarious as hell. But okay, remember that's only in the 3DS version. You didn't get any of that in the PS1 version. Oh nope. boy, nope. Oh my gosh, it's just ah, uh, it just reminds me of the film that it reminds me of the uh, so for 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 Christmas one year, my mother had given me the complete VHS collection of the first five or six Star Trek movies. And the first one, when I took it out and put it into my VHS player, it had a big sticker on the front saying, now featuring 24 extra minutes of never-before-seen footage. And if you've never seen that version of Star Trek 1, I found out the hard way that those 24 extra minutes were pretty much all shots of the ship going into the ship. <laughs> yeah, it's the ship going into the ship. And also at the beginning, there's their pan over of the Enterprise where Kirk and McCoy are flying in the shuttlecraft towards the Enterprise. Uh, you know, because they put a lot of time and money into that model. Dang, damn it, they're going to make sure you see every bloody square inch of it. Phil, <laughs> that's, that has a director's cut, which actually snips a couple movie minutes off of the theatrical running time because the director <laughs> thought, you know, this could use some pacing enhancement, yeah. and he and Robert Wise was right. Oh my goodness gracious! So that's what that's what Dragon Quest Seven is to me. Like it's like that twenty four extra minutes over and over again. There's just so much <laughs> that could be snipped out of it that would that would that would make the more much more enjoyable journey. If you're not going to do much character development and you're not really going to push the overall plot. It, it, I just, I don't know. It's it's just, it, Mike, I just look at my 3DS. I'm like, I don't want to play that. I want to play more Monster Hunter. I want to play, I want to play Dragon Quest Eight. Hell, I would rather play Strange Journey Redux than, than, than pick up Dragon Quest Seven right now. Maybe one night will change. Wait, Phil, Phil, would you rather play Dragon Quest Seven or uh-huh. The Dark Spire? Oh, wow. Oh, man, that's below the belt. Oh, <laughs> or oh, wow. Would you oh. rather play Dragon Quest Seven or Cross Edge? Oh, no, Dragon Quest Seven. Dragon Quest Seven. Yeah, that's, that's, no. yeah, just, uh, Cross Edge. We have to get our priorities straight here. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, but Dragon Quest Eight's really cute. It's got, it's got characters that actually, so far, have been talking, you know, as the story goes along. So you, you got Yangus at the beginning, and then, like, I don't know, 10 hours in, I'm getting Jessica. And Yangus is actually still talking. And and he actually has more dialogue, and there's more to find out about him. And he wanted to, and you get to meet, you know, you're finding out how he met the, the protagonist. And so yep. that's cool. Character, character development throughout the entire, I mean, I hope this carries through. But, oh, yeah. 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 It does. And Jessica will keep talking, and Angelo will keep talking. It's just, it's just, now, it's not without, in my opinion, of course, it's just Phil's perspective, it's not without its faults that I've already run into at first dozen hours in, because it does have classic Dragon Quest, you better know what we're thinking, Gaidus. Which is to say, like, during one of the early things where Jessica has left the town, she's run away. Well, well, there was sufficient clues for you to figure out that she went to the one and only tower full of monsters down the road. And so, and I remember someone saying before that townspeople know how to open it. Well, I figure she ran there. I had been there before, but I couldn't get in. 
I figured she had run there and opened up the door or whatever to get inside, and so it would be open for me to get there. I talked to a bunch of more townspeople. There wasn't anything to make me believe differently. I even talked to other – because you have a feature where you can talk to other party members in your team, and they're like, yeah, we should go check out that tower. So I go there uh, and spend the time to go there. I go around the tower, and I cannot find a way to get in. I'm like pressing the button. And, of course, something in Dragon Quest 2 days where you literally – or Dragon Quest 1 where you literally had to press a button on every – tile to find the mandatory secret door to continue the adventure you know Mm -hmm. so i'm doing that shiz all over again i'm getting increasingly frustrated uh and i went back to town a couple i went back and forth a couple more times before one of the return trips to the town i figured out oh you're supposed to uh get the letter that she left in the room by putting your mouse through a hole in the wall and I'm just like, oh, come on. And that activates the children in front of the door talking to you, them going in, finding out she's not there. One of them saying, oh, I'll come with you and open up the door. And it's just like freaking pain in the ass, Dragon Quest Eight. I'm not a mind reader here. You made every indication that we we're supposed to go to the tower. And my own team was like, yeah, let's go to the tower. And... Uh, so it still does that, which is like my frustration with uh, many of the Dragon Quest games where they just – the, the the answer is obvious or you really think you know what you should do next, but you haven't talked to the right townsperson yet and you talked to them all twice or three times. But that's a little gra- – I mean so far it's still a compelling experience and I and I, I want to go back and play more of that. Play more so, sorry. So, But you would still play 7 over Cross Edge. Oh, gosh, yes. Got a little Cross Edge. Oh, oh. Uh. Uh, but just it, just have to make sure here. Yeah, <laughs> make sure you've still got your head on straight. Well, and Darkspire is no bit. Uh, gosh dang, Darkspire has that has that in spades of try to find the one secret item to put on the one secret thing you didn't know to put it on so that you can activate the elevator to go up to the next floor. Oh, good grief! What you uh, didn't like having to go through dungeons with absolutely nothing in them except labyrinthine paths to figure out in order I, to even class change and then figure out a puzzle along the way. Oh my freaking goodness gracious! I would I would like to shake the hand of the person who has beat that game without going to facts. I I just I I if it wasn't for the maps Matt gave me uh, and my wife being able to read Japanese on forums, I I wouldn't have gotten past the first floor. It, it's just it's just insane the the mind reading they expect you. To, uh, I just have, part of it is I just don't have the patience I used to have when I was a teenager. I had all summer to kill clicking on every single wall but i'm not even sure it was super fun back then it was just something i did because i had no other games to play i wouldn't say that was a fun mechanic but whatever hashtag right with old games sometimes we love retro games but dang nab it all right we should probably wrap it up now (laughs) yeah yeah it's been a while (laughs) hey wait a minute y'all talked about movies and other stuff for five hours i'm going to talk about another boring old ending all right (laughs) so you're, you're uh, going to talk more about what Strange Journey did to you, right? Strange strange Journey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you guys, for those of you who haven't listened, I don't remember which episodes I was talking about Strange Journey. It was more than one, definitely. It was more than one. Well, we got to understand, I actually looked this up for, uh, so uh, you know, part of that, 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 that Facebook group, they were talking about it coming out. And I was like, you need to go back and listen to this. I looked it up. It's, I think it's episode 86. I didn't look it up again. I want to say it's 86. But, you can, you know, there's a Strange Journey episode. It was part of a number uh, of games that we did. So, uh, but I know I didn't talk about it back then because I hadn't played it at that point. I played it later on. So I probably talked about it between 120 and 150, uh, maybe 160. But for those of you who haven't listened to the whole thing, I like Strange Journey. Um, but it was in the DS version where you had no difficulty setting. It was definitely hard. There was one or two mid bosses that were particularly difficult, 
But and there was one that I looked up on. I hate looking up stuff on facts, but there was one I looked up on fact and realized, oh, I should have figured that out. So I, I only blame myself for that one. Uh, for the, I, I really did feel satisfaction from getting through these very tough dungeons on my own, uh, figuring out the bosses on my own. Uh, I really felt that you know it was a little frustrating at times, but when you when you when you polished off one of those guys, it felt really great. Then I felt very accomplished when I got to the end and I got to the end boss. And then he proceeded to kick my ass over and over and over again. Despite the fact that I had taken my time, I felt like I grinded up. Uh, I had plenty of different types of demons, but apparently I didn't have the right ones or the right gear or whatnot. So after beating him, or after him beating me three or four times, I looked up on GameFAQs and someone there basically says, the way, the way you gotta do is you gotta have the right gear to beat him. And here's how you grind that gear. And it's like all these instructions that look like it would take another 15 to 20 hours. And that I did not have in me. Uh, to go back to, oh, I think part of the fun, I think a, a huge part of the draw with Strange Journey is the, I, I, and this is the way I feel about most dungeon crawlers, it's the exploration of the floor, finding the traps, fighting new monsters. And when you tell me to go back and just keep grinding in old spots, that that gets kind of boring. So I told I told Strange Journey, well done, you win. Uh, and But the 3DS version now has difficulty settings and maybe maybe possibly a tweaked final model. I say give it another shot. It's 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 it was the journey itself was super fun, uh, and so I don't think a, 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 a final boss that pissed me off negates all the fun that I had with that game. So that's my take. You should go out and get 3DS for play because even if you're a person who likes to get hung up on the final boss, you do have that option of putting it easy. So, or you can do what somebody else did and just buy a really cool demon for lots and lots of money. <laughs> also, it should be noted that because this is the trend in Atlas RPGs, I'm pretty sure they're going to have a DLC with EXP and Maka bonuses, if that's your thing. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I've, I did that with I want Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse, and I think Shin Megami Tensei 4. Mm. And, and, and yeah, I, I don't like... I mean, a lot of people aren't in love with the idea of that kind of money spending, and I don't blame them, but I don't know. It, it's four bucks. It's a soda yeah. to, to me, you know. Yeah, it's, it's you know, there's definitely some, some, some mixed feelings on it, but if it makes you feel any better, if you enjoy the journey that much, tip them an extra four bucks to show them that you appreciate it. I guess that's another way of looking at the glass half full rather than half empty on that. I mean, of course, if you if you got a principle against it, you don't have to. You, you just not buy it. Right. Yeah. Uh, anywho, yeah, we'll wrap that up. Uh, remind everybody that RPG. What, what are we called again? RPG Backtrack, <laughs> the production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Read all of our fee reviews. Listen to other podcasts, especially that really cool new awesome podcast called The Hunt about monster hunter it's all at rpgamer.com hit us up at twitter we are at rpgamer i am at jc servant uh, we have mr minky at at jume sin we got mr michael apps at ask wheels and uh we have really what, what's your handle again <laughs> i'm red rock 963 there you go so you can all hit us all up on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you, read your comments on the air. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Mr. Minky, would you like to put us to bed? Not really. I'll have a I'll have a printy jump under your bed and blow up. That'll do it. Good night. <laughs>